This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery. The show, the 600, the, well, the show that loves the 600 Chelsea supporters at the Stadium of Smog on Saturday. Uh, now, Chelsea did a professional hit on Middlesbrough in the FA Cup quarter final on Saturday and continue to boil the piss of pretty much everyone in football as a consequence. Great, bring it on. Uh, this has always been, uh, or the match on Saturday certainly, was uh, always going to be a potential banana skin against a side riled up by the general antipathy, antipathy even if I can get my teeth in, uh, towards Chelsea. And the stupid statement by the club last week suggesting that it should be played behind closed doors. Well, that and the fact that they dispatched Man United and Spurs in the last two rounds, although arguably that was no giant killing. Brilliant then that Chelsea... Uh, marshalled so effectively by Thomas Tuchel off the pitch and Thiago Silva on it, got the job done with a minimum of fuss and are now heading to yet another FA Cup semi-final at Wembley to play Crystal Palace. Our only hope at the moment is that we will be allowed tickets to the game as the government sanction continues to confuse and befuddle. Uh, Given how stoic the team have been under the extraordinary leadership of Thomas Tuchel during the huge crisis engulfing the club, a packed Wembley with Chelsea supporters to get behind them would be well-deserved, as would another FA Cup trophy come May. And the title of tonight's show is... Into the Valley Valley of Smog Rode the Brave 600. Chelsea fancast 885. And I'm expecting a show that will be redolent, JK, of the charge of the Light Brigade tonight. Without, the, without as much death, obviously. I was thinking more of the Ruts. The Ruts? Or is it the Skids? Which one? Into, Into the Valley. valley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that the Skids? Yeah. That, that was, was the Skids. skids. Yeah. yeah. Good, yeah. good show. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Into the... Um... Into the Valley Road, the 600. Well, yes, they did well, didn't they, the 600 they Chelsea They did, fans. they did. Sadly, yeah. you were not among their number for a change. Uh, no, no, I was sent a ticket. A ticket? I was sent an email telling me that uh, 
Um, unfortunately, uh, due to the sanctions, I was unable to uh, to get a ticket from the club. So, um, you know, such is life. But I enjoyed watching the idiocy of the two commentators on television. And uh, and um, uh, I love the way that they they change immediately. Chelsea scored. <laughs> They've been blowing smoke up the every Middlesbrough player's arse. Um, and it was that wonderful thing of the crowd being um, cheering every moment of possession. So a throw-in gets cheered, a tackle gets cheered, which is fair enough, you know, um, good luck to them. But uh, but somebody being fouled gets cheered as well, particularly when they've thrown themselves to the ground, which that, um, that winger fullback Jones, who was clearly playing out of his skin to a degree, according to the commentators, he was one of the best players in the world. And... Um, and then when we scored, it was, well, of course, you know, of course they would do that. They've got great players and they're playing wonderfully. So the two, uh, the two slightly worrying commentators, but you know, it's to be, it's to be expected, but yeah, we, we, we did a, we did a rather wonderful job on them. We did. We? So who have we got on the show tonight? Oh, I don't want to tell you. I can't okay. I'll, I'll tell us. No, 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 no. God, you couldn't wait to leap in there. Could you? That's well, we have, um, we have uh, you were completely. We have uh, uh, I've written it down here. Um, because <laughs> we're so unrecognizable, yeah. Wit, wit, charm, intelligence, and good looks. So if you could both fight over that one, that'd be uh, that'd be great. That'd be okay, great. We're both throwing them at each other. You could be the wit charm. <laughs> <laughs> it is, of course. It is, of course, the wonderful Martin Wickham and the wonderful Tony Glover, who okay. are a pair of. Uh, of great intelligence, great knowledge, and uh, great uh, expression, and I'm looking forward to having them on the show tonight. Um, having them as if I'm the get, as if I'm the host. As if you'd get that, <laughs> as if you'd get that lucky, J.K. As if, yeah, I'm looking forward to to uh, getting the uh, getting the odd sentence in with their uh, in over them, of course, because they're so they're so clever. You go. get pl- you you get plenty of odd sentences in, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, Martin. Lovely to see you again so soon after your last appearance. Are you, um, are you feeling a bit better now? No, um, yeah, just it's day by day, really. So, um, yeah, um, the, bo- the voice is sounding back to normal. Yeah, that uh, that's me. Th- annoyingly, that issue in my throat went away literally the morning after. <laughs> I've not had it since. So yeah. I have no idea what that was, but yeah. No, no issue with the frog in my throat good. Um, anymore. That's nice. Good, good, good. Yeah, likewise, I'm back to full full velocity tonight. There's, 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 only, there's only one thing worse than a frog in the throat. You know that. What's that? It's hiding the hole. Oh, very good. Uh, very, very, good. very good. Very good, very and, good. And uh, Tony, lovely to see you again. Indeed, and it's good to be back. In fact, I had the pleasure of chatting to Martin at the stall prior to the Newcastle Ball fest uh, that was, you know, finished off with a moment of sheer magic mm. and, and whatever. But uh, and and it was good. It was good to see him, um, have a chat, catch up, and everything. You know, uh, I've got to say, he looked in rude health. Mm. Emphasis yeah, on so, rude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm afraid yeah, I was, was, was I was overcome was by emotion when I saw you both and hugged you both. Yeah, <laughs> you did. You did indeed, Jake. And afterwards, it thought was, it was a lovely gathering at the stall that day, wasn't it? It really was. Was yeah, um, the lovely Brian Justman on uh, on Mixler Martin just said so happy that Martin is back and sounds healthy again. Thank you. There you go. A lot of love in the room. We like that. Right on the show tonight in part one, uh, we look at T- Thomas Tuchel's team selection because we always do. Merely just have a chuckle at how many we got wrong, really. Uh, and we're going to ask whether Lukaku's goals are covering up covering up his deficiencies. Applaud Ziyech for delivering and Silver for shining. 
and we ask, is Mason Mount back to his best? And in part two, we continue the review of the Middlesbrough versus Chelsea match, looking at a professional job well done. Tuchel maintaining the team's focus in tough circumstances and have a think about the semi-final against Palace, as well as the Champions League quarter-final against Real Madrid, because when we did our preview show last Thursday, we did not know that. So we're going to talk about it tonight. Um, And to wrap up in part two, we're going to uh, ask, has the break come at a good or a bad time? Because, of course, we're not going to actually watch Chelsea play for two weeks. There's another fucking international break. I hate them. Uh, now, uh, we're only f- only three parts tonight because there's no match to preview as a consequence of said international break. So uh, in the final part, part three, we're going to have the fannies for Man of the Match, Salary and Guinness moments as selected by our wonderful Discord people. And uh, talking of Discord people, we've got a couple of questions from them and we've got loads of emails to read out tonight. Gall, blimey, love a duck. Uh, everybody's very angry, JK. You've got seven. Yep, yep. And long. Some of them are very long. We're going to earn our money tonight, mate, that's for sure. Anyway. uh, Money? Well, you know, figuratively speaking. Corn? (laughs) Something like that. Corn, yes. Peppercorn. That's kind of topical at the moment, isn't it? Uh, Anyway, don't forget, you can listen to the show live. Live. Every Monday at 7pm by going to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast. And of course, if you do that, you will see lots of very lovely people who are all in there tonight saying hello. Hello, everybody. Good to see you all. Um, many of them are also in our Discord group, actually. So it's a good old kind of get together on a Monday. They sit there posting lots of comments and things and generally talk to each other as well. And it's a jolly good place to be. So I commend it to you. Any other time, if you want to get in touch with us, just try at Chelsea Fancast on all of the social media platforms. There you go. Right. We'll be uh, talking about the Middlesbrough game in a very short time. back this is the chelsea fan cast time to talk about football indeed jk um Hi. jk the Hi. the uh the, you know he, he, he threw a curveball in he threw a bloody curveball in i don't think any of us saw a four two three one uh formation did we but we had sar at left back uh loftus cheeky boy as one of the two uh with kovacic didn't see that coming and uh pulisic mountain zh behind lukaku which i understand i didn't expect lukaku to play but then of course i should have realized it was a cup match and he is a he's the he's like the kind of you know the kind of player you now play only in cup matches but there you go but what did you think of it mate i don't think you'll play him in the in the semi-final though i think he plays them against lower yeah uh, lower opposition oh, just the irony of... for a hundred million quid striker to be thus portrayed yeah yeah the very fact that we're talking about him like that um and in a sense i think we're we're sort of correct because we know that he's going to do something that we'll get wrong, which I quite like, you know, so we come up with these composition of the team and then we know that there'll be somebody in it who's got, who we never, ever prophesied, you know, I mean, who'd have thought that he'd have played uh, um, Lukaku without Werner? Cause we presumed there was a, we, we mooted the possibility of Lukaku playing, but with Werner, cause we thought they were a decent uh, combination since the Luton game. Um, and we didn't think of cheek at all. Um, because Cheek has been used as a as an extra wing back, so uh, 
Um, I have to say, I'm sorry, I'm going to be controversial here. I'm not still not convinced about Cheek. I find him, uh, those two occasions he got caught in possession, I think it was three in the end, were absolutely useless. And in fact, were the only... And a stupid thing to do stupid, on the 18-yard line. Yeah. In, yeah, moments in the, in, the, in the game where I thought we looked vulnerable. Um, but, uh, um, you yeah, know, Cheek was one we just never, ever occurred to us. And yeah, I suppose the number of times we say, oh, well, he'll rest silver, and he doesn't. And um, and then he rested. I love the the picture of saying that that, that Rooney, of course, is a year younger than Silver and looks 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 slightly the worse for wear with his uh, his rather strange beard and his hair <clears throat> transplant, um, and clearly has not uh, looked after himself in the same way. Um, but uh, yeah, from a selection point of view, uh, um, you can predict at the moment that he'll try and play Silver and Rudiger together much as possible. Um, uh Saar, but Saar was it once once again it depends on the formation you know i'm not convinced by Saar because he's got an error in him as has as has chalabar um but uh um you know he's doing a job and he, once again he's doing a job against in a, a, a championship side who were bigged up enormously because of their beating tottenham and manu but as you said earlier tottenham and manu are not they're uh, anywhere near as good yeah, no, absolutely right. Absolutely right. Um, Martin, you know, it's uh, I think I think that I think this is the other thing, actually, to all of you, really. I think JK summed it up, as always, very, very expertly there. But um, I think it's easy to forget that we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. So, for example, he rested. I mean, he said in the post-match presser, didn't he, that he rested Jorginho because He's played consecutive matches a lot. He's a bit tired mentally and physically, and he's got massive games coming up for Italy. Other people, you know, are still injured and stuff. You know, it's it's. It, so I I know we like to say, to say he kind of does this just to wind us up because and therefore make us all wrong. But I think that he's really still juggling a lot of balls at the moment, isn't he? Yeah, and I think he pretty much has been since about November, December, once mm. Chilwell and. Um... Once Chilwell got injured and James has been out as well, um, I think he's done remarkably well to get through um, through this relatively unscathed. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's a way of keeping people happy as well because no one's really that I can think of has been completely frozen out of the team. Maybe Barkley, but apart from that, Who cares? everyone. Well, I didn't want to be that <laughs> nasty, but apart from that, everyone has you know had an opportunity to you know, show themselves a little bit. I mean, Malang Sars played a lot more than I would have thought he would. Um, so have the likes of Loftus-Cheek, Hudson-Odoi and Pulisic and Zayek. Um, Lukaku being the cup struck is probably not where he wants to be, but um, until he learns to play the way Tuka wants to, that's probably how it's going to be for the time being. Hopefully that will sort itself out Yeah, with, I mean with time. Yeah, I, I'm going to focus on Lukaku in a minute. But before I do, Tony, I've got two, two questions for you. Two for the price of one, mate. Good. Um, I'd, I'd be interested to know what you think of Saar. I'm a bit kind of agnostic. Mm. I'm a bit agnostic on him because I, I think he's not bad, but I agree with Jonathan. He's got a rick on him. But the other question, perhaps more important, really, what's happened to hudson Adoy? Who's somebody eaten him or something? Where is he? Yeah. Um. Well, I, th- I thought Hudson Odoi had been ill or got injured or something, um, and that's why he hadn't been, you know, um, picked as of late. 
that, that probably needs confirming because that's probably just a perception I've got in, in my mind somewhere. Oh, you know, Hudson Adoy is not, not in tonight's, you know, team or whatever because he's whatever. And I might have just heard that. Uh, it does seem very odd because in, in all the cases of the players that we may not have expected to have seen, um, I think they've all improved. I, I do genuinely think they've all improved. Um, and that improvement is the kind of improvement that only comes with game time, with playing at that level uh, and being trusted and being able to show what you can do. Um, Saar, you know, let's be fair, when we went into um, pre-season, the two names that probably weren't mentioned remotely were Malang Saar and Trevor Chalabar. It just came out of nowhere. They, they were in the squad, but no one was sitting there saying, watch out for these two boys. Um, and I agree, Saar... You know, he had that one game, and was it against Luton where he, he, he made a couple of rickets or whatever? He seems uh, spectacularly unspectacular to me. He seems to be uh, a, a player that I, th I think we would know more next season when he's had that kind of uh, a run, if you like, or, or gained that experience. Because at the moment, I don't distrust him. But I do kind of, in a massive moment of cognitive dissonance, I also, when he gets the ball and he's just outside the box or whatever, I do slightly panic, mm. right? Um, but I don't think it's ability. I think it's it will come down purely to lack of experience. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Jonathan, There's a there's a, there was a moment in the game which I thought completely and utterly summed up what Tony is talking about because... Sahar, Sahar, Saar, <laughs> uh, talk about Freudian slips. Saar, uh, knowing me, knowing you, Sahar. Anyway, he 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 had the ball, and that pass he made to Kovacic, which actually then ended up being passed to Mount, which ended up being crossed to Lukaku, which ended up in the first goal. He was a whisker away. That could have been passed to. That could have been intercepted very easily, and he just about got away with it. And that's kind of what I mean. He, he he seems to me to be that kind of player. Well, um, if you remember, he he took part in the in the uh, the friendlies at the Spurs game, and he came on when we were winning two nil, and then gave the ball away immediately, and <laughs> they right, scored. Right. And I remember I remember thinking, well, we won't be seeing him again. But in the <laughs> same way, I think Kennedy played as well, and I thought we won't be seeing him again. And I think. Uh, Barkley played as well in that wonderful and we uh, haven't loss, seen him loss again, of goals. And well, he's <laughs> he's dribbled in and out, hasn't he? But literally, um, uh, yeah, literally. But um, uh, Tuchel sees something in him, doesn't he? So, uh, but yeah, I, 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 it'd be nice to see him. He doesn't shoot. He doesn't have a shot. I think he may have shot once. He's he's very um, uh, he's he's accurate with his passing. His tackles are good. He played. He wouldn't play him in the first team unless there was something. He, he had confidence in him. Well, having said that, though, perhaps there isn't anybody else. Do you think about it? Perhaps I'm being, doing, I'm being, I think I'm being a little bit benevolent to him. You know, I think he's doing a job for Tuchel. He, actually, he is. You know, he is. He is. Yeah. He is. Yeah. 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 And I think, I think, when in doubt, you know, you've got Rudiger, who's who's just been phenomenal. You know, let's be honest, Rudiger and Silva have been phenomenal, and uh, um, and and of they sweep up. They they solve so many problems that are taking place on the pitch. They, uh, particularly Silva, who's just completely immaculate. Oh my goodness me. Um, uh, my, my, my joy of watching him play just improves each time I watch him. You just appreciate him. 
Um, and once again, I keep going on about this. Appreciate him because he might get injured. He's thirty-seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he might. You might. That might not be it again. You know. You but you just got to look at it. The wonder, the wonderful player that he is. Just look at the. But also beautifully two-footed. Yeah. The number of times that somebody lunges towards him and he flicks it from his right to his left and lays it off. Absolutely magnificent. But yeah, I I I think Saar is helped by the fact that he's got he's got Rudiger beside him. You know. I think that totally that, right. You know, totally right. Totally, totally right. And I mean, you know, maybe, maybe that's, uh, maybe that's what lies behind uh, Tuchel's thinking, Martin. I've got a lovely, I've got a lovely uh, message here on Mixer from the lovely Bob Usre. <laughs> I think he sums this up perfectly. He says, "Sar is great until he isn't at least twice a game." <laughs> yeah, he can't really be trusted. He's basically a utility defender, and while we've got injuries, loads of games. He does a job, but you know, he definitely needs handling, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, I remember the oh, one of the League Cup games where he was, I think it was his first game and he was absolutely awful. And then against Brentford when we were under s- sustained pressure, he didn't do too badly, but mm. there's been, there is inconsistency. He has, he has a mistake in him. Chalabas looked a bit vulnerable as well. It's the experienced guys alongside them that are definitely the help. Yeah, definitely are. JK? I was going to say that, that um, I, th- I think Dave has completely played out of his skin yeah. the last few games. Absolutely something that he, you know, we were we were writing him off a lot. And and uh, you mustn't. He's, he played brilliantly against um, uh, Norwich. He played brilliantly against uh, um, Lille. He played, he's, he's just really at the top of his game again. Yeah, uh, it's amazing, isn't it, J.K.? Because as yeah. you said, we have. I mean, I've been guilty of that. I've written him off, but he just. I mean, maybe that's the that. I mean, I think. I think you know. Let's 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 for, for sake of argument assume that this is going to be his last season for Chelsea. There's no there's no doubt in my mind that if he goes, he, this guy has to leave as a real legend of the club. And I think, oh. you know, and the beauty of Aspie is is I think always that he has been so underrated as a player. It's like, oh, he's, you know, he's, he's like six, seven out of ten, you know. But the thing is, he's six, seven out of ten every game. And then when you write him off, he steps up again. And you know, that's what he does. I mean, I, you, you, what a fucking player, basically, I think, is how I would finish that. It was interesting, the lack of, in, sort of element of lack of enthusiasm about getting a banner up for him. Really? Yeah, well, Seriously? Yeah, well, well, in the sense that we had to do it. You know, it was down to us. No, well, it to, quite invariably, to, it is, to be fair. Oh, is it? Well, yeah, every time yeah, I yeah. just, I thought, but I thought that it would have been something would have been up for him because he was one of the longest serving members oh. of the of the team. But no, no, there wasn't a banner for Kerry for like thirty years until I decided we should have one. So you know, you kind of the impetus I think has to come from the supporters. Okay, you know, to be fair, but I think well but deserved. There's a lot of letters as well. I mean, for yeah, paper. there's a lot of letters. You know, you have to paper letter, remember? <laughs> and and, and Z, Zs are worth ten. Exactly. <laughs> Especially if they're on a triple word score. Word you know. score, yeah. yeah and, you, and you look like a rock dick if you misspell it. Yeah. Mm, yeah. You, do you know what you should have done? You should have done a great big banner with Aspiliqueta, but spell A Z P I C and then go and then cross it out so we'll just call him Dave. That would have been funny. No? Yeah. Yeah. yeah but it, no. It, was, it, was, it was Brian Wolf. So, yeah. Let's just saying. blame Brian, shall we? Yeah. Let's yeah, all blame it, Brian. It's all Brian's fault. It's all Brian's fault. No, we came up with let's just we just call him Dave. We came up with that. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, brilliant. Listen, talking to Brian, uh, I did a my Chelsea with him about a week ago, which I'm going to put up after this show goes out. So listen to that. I tell you another reason to listen out to that is that Brian 
uh, Wolf, who uh, runs Chelsea Chicago, to put it mildly, um, is also a big fan of the of the Chicago Cubs, which are owned by Tom Ricketts. And my God, did he have some things to say about the Ricketts family. Uh, this lot must come nowhere near our football club, by the way. But anyway, I'll well, put... they've had a meeting with Greg Hands today. Have they? Uh, phone, uh, Greg Hands, I'll read it out. A useful call with Tom Ricketts, family owner of the Chicago Cubs, bidding for Chelsea FC. Uh, point one, runs a Heritage Sports Stadium. Point two, bought success to the Cubs. Point three, coming to London to meet the Chelsea S Trust and pitch owners. Uh, point four, understands community. I am happy to meet other bidders. Good. Well, I can assure you I won't be in the meeting with the Trust because I'm too busy and stuck down here. But I can assure you the everybody on the Trust who meets Ricketts will be briefed thoroughly on what Brian Wolf has had to tell me. And Brian, I know you you listen to the show. For fuck's sake, send me an email that I can pass on to those in the Trust so that they ask the right questions. Okay? You know what I'm saying. Anyway, sorry, quick diversion there. It's going to, be, it's going to happen, I think, in the, in the coming weeks of this show when we pick up bits of news. But what I wanted to talk about is a bit of an odd topic in a way. It's, we've talked about it nearly every week since he arrived, per se. But um, Lukaku scored a very good goal, I think, um, albeit he didn't really have to think about it. But actually, if you looked at it, the way he got that ball in, it was that, that required a little bit of skill and dexterity. It was a proper striker's goal. Superb cross by Mason Mount. But I am i mean, I thought he ran around a lot more than he has done. He got involved a lot more than he has done. But he still, to me, looks like somebody... I mean, he can't jump. He looks slow and laboured. And he and he can't, you know... I mean, he, he did, it did slightly better at laying the ball off to people. But, you know, it looks like he's busting every sinew to try and play a pass directly to a Chelsea player, JK. I mean... And but here's the here's the great conundrum, right? You know, I, the other week I found out that the, the top scorers and assisters were. The BBC has a very good uh, analysis of this. And guess what? He's our leading goal scorer in all competitions with twelve goals. Uh, Kai Havertz is now second with eleven. Mason Mount's got eight. I'm not counting Jorginho's nine because we know that they're nearly all penalties. Uh, and Ziyech has got seven. Werner's got seven. So you know he's our leading goal scorer. Uh, and you just think, well, how the fuck did that happen? You know, <laughs> think how many goals he'd have scored if he was any good. Well, I know. I mean, but it is. It is. I think it's. It's getting into conundrum territory now. Is his are his goals making up for his deficiencies? Bearing in mind he's only scored, I think, five or six Premier five Premier League goals. I think. Well, he seems to go against the whole ethos of the team, though, doesn't he? Because he doesn't run and he doesn't... Uh, well, he attempts to run and he loses the ball. I think or he, he waddles, doesn't he? Staggers really? over it. He does. He, yes, he... he, he, he it, it, there's a, there's, a, there's a, 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 a statuesque quality about him that doesn't really contribute to the team. And yet, um, I mean, against, against somebody like Borough, he's, he's bound to be creating... Uh, space just because he's got two people marking him just because of his reputation mm. but um he's not going to pick him for a proper game he, he just won't because Havertz is so much more of a of a who does everything he wants defensively and and gets into spaces and fits the pattern um so no you know you know my view I just think it's absolutely absurd I wonder whether there's a fitness thing there was a, somebody somebody put I think it was completely fake but somebody said that he'd been um asked to go to see Tuchel to discuss his fitness and you wonder whether he's still whether he's there he seems to get whether he 
he's in the gym an enormous amount. He just seems to be absolutely enormous. Too heavy. Um, yeah. And you wonder whether he's not muscle bound, but whether, in fact, yes, his his bulk makes it counterproductive. Well, you, you, um, you say that. With just, that, just, he should be bursting yeah. through, shouldn't just, he? Just to butt in on that, you make an excellent point, because if you remember uh, my, when Michael Essien got that injury, the really serious knee injury he had, he basically almost got addicted to cycling. He used to cycle everywhere and miles and miles and miles. And he, and he, and he became, in a sense, overdeveloped, you know, in his hamstrings and his uh, quads and his bum. And, and he was, I mean, there was a theory going around that the club were a bit pissed off because he he lost a lot of speed because that's the point. It's power to rate ratio, isn't it? I think, I think to be fair to him, though, that because he'd had the knee injury, he was trying to, make the, trying to make the muscles around the, yeah. the knee injury stronger. But in it order made him heavier. But indeed, and, and, and it probably slower as well. But, I, you know, you'd need to speak to a physiologist. I, 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 I don't quite appreciate what i think he did it he well was he the same weight when he was at milan apparently if you look at not that i've ever watched them particularly if you looked at him playing he was much more mobile and and his his hugeness was a was a positive whereas uh at the moment it's it, it, is it that the the defenses it can't be the championship but well as well seem to deal with him better did he have more space was conte playing a way that meant that he had less less people to uh, um, to close him down. But even then, he seems to be even one-on-one, he fails miserably. Yeah. You know, we've yet to see him um, be on his own and go towards the goalkeeper and and and, and put the ball in the net well, around apart, the goal. Apart goalkeeper. from the Caribbean Cup final, the one that was chalked off. Yeah, but that was just a that was a bat from some way, yeah, you know, rather yeah. than being on his own. And we're not just seeing him. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was a that was a very decent goal. But that's what you expect though yeah. from 97 million quid. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. you expect you should be able to shoot from anywhere and score. Bloody hell! Yeah, definitely. But you know, I, I, it's it's a it's a mystery. I mean, you, he, he's not going to play in the big games. No, okay. I, I I think you might be right there, Martin. I mean, I tell you what, I can't understand about him, and maybe this kind of goes into a little bit about what J.K. was saying. When you see him jump for a header, he he just doesn't seem to be able to get off the ground. He's got no spring, mate. Why is that? Honestly, no idea. I mean, it's his. The, the argument what he had was that he wasn't been played in the way he preferred. This is the whole basis of that Sky Italia interview that caused all the ruckus. But um, when he's got the chance to play the way he wants to, he hasn't got the speed to do it. So, or well, he's lost the speed to do it. I don't know what it is. But if, like we're saying, he is a bit heavier now than he was in Milan, then it's probably going to affect your vertical jump as well maybe yeah I, I i don't know and the problem as well is that he the other the rest of the team aren't quite sure how to play use him to his best as well so we've had people putting crosses in him not being there um he's when lukaku's got the ball and he's trying to link and play link the play some people aren't running on so it has broken down play at times when he's been there and it's not looked as fluid as a result. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a real interesting conundrum, Tony. I mean, I, I, I mean, the weird thing is, mate, that actually, I mean, I can't see us, definitely, I can't, I mean, I, I could see us trying to get rid of him in the summer if we're allowed to, of course. Um, and I think if, if nothing had, you know, if everything had stayed the same, that would have been a massive problem because we would, be, we would be taking a hit of, I would say, in the region of £40 million at least. 
course, that won't be a problem under new owners because it's not them that will be taking the hit. Mm. It's, it, it is. It is a conundrum indeed. I watched him quite carefully um, on Saturday, and you're right. He can't jump, or he, I don't know about can't jump because um, he has done before. He's been a pretty effective header of the ball, but it looks like he doesn't want to. You know, or he can't because there's something holding him back. You know, so you talk about that problem with the knees. Of course, when you jump and you land, the knees are what you know. They're they they're the suspension. They're the main you know coil springs, if you like, um, for that. Um, I didn't see I didn't see any of the what I thought I saw before, and I commented on it here before, which was the ignoring of him by the other players. Um, you know, the, the fact that he would be in space and he would be in places and then someone would just totally ignore him and play a different ball. Um, so I think, you know, that, that doesn't appear to be the case. It, it is a very odd one because he should. He's got everything in his armoury to be like Drogba. He, he's got the build. He's got the pace when he wants it. He should be, if he could jump. He, there were very few people who were better at heading the ball in than Drogba. Very few. And you know, we can just look at the Champions League final in Munich, at, at, at how effective he was when he could get his head on the end of a ball. Um, and I, 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 I'm slightly worried. I, I, it's, you know, normally I would be looking at a player, and normally I'm fairly black and white about it. You know, get him out, keep him in. And, and Lukaku's falling into this kind of purgatory <laughs> area for me, where he, I, I'm not sure. I'm just absolutely not sure about whether or not or what's going on, you know, whether his confidence is shot because he's seen Havertz become a kind of talismanic striker in his place, probably not Havertz's prime position or, or whatever he, uh, as well. Um, that it maybe suggests that there is stuff going on behind the scenes that we don't know. Mm. I, honestly, it was odd when, when, he, when he went to celebrate his goal. It was very muted. Wasn't it? You know, he, he just sort of went like that, and then Mason Mount ran over to him, and you know they were obviously had a chat and a, and a hug or whatever. But it didn't seem, it didn't seem like a look. Look at the way I know you weren't there. Look at Martin and J.K. Will know this. Look at the way we celebrated when we scored a goal against Newcastle in the last minute. The relief, the sense of ex emotion, the explosion that comes with it. Right? If a, if a player's struggling. Um, with confidence, form, or, or even uh, hiding an injury or whatever. When you score a goal, I would expect to see something a bit more than just uh, kind of, yeah, well done. Yeah. Um, so something tells me that maybe he needs a check-up from the neck-up or something, you know. Ziyech well, didn't celebrate either, did he? It, well, uh, he did a bit more. I mean, Ziyech, I think, has, has been... Um, it, I've commented before on the fact that he didn't look like he wanted to be there, and yet he's become... A, a, you know, almost one of the first on the team sheet. He's you think so? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think. I think. Well, you know, if, if you know, can you hear that noise? Yeah, that's the sound of the humble pie lorry <laughs> outside my house and delivering me a great big slice of humble pie for the times I said, "Get ZH out. He's rubbish. He doesn't want to be there because he looks phenomenal at the moment. He looks absolutely. He's a, well, he's a class actor, world Tony, class player. He looks he is, everything yeah. that I. Yeah. I couldn't agree. see before and maybe that's all it needed was the running the team the confidence the familiar familiarity with the club with everything else and, and we we don't know how long that takes 
Lukaku, I can't say the same about him um, because it something doesn't look right. It, it, you know, it's not much more than a gut feeling, Chidge. It's not much more than just a, something does not look right there. That it's might... not the fact that he's always been that way because, as JK said, he was very good at Milan. He's been good everywhere he, he's been. Um, I don't think it's just a systemic issue with him and why he's not performing. I wonder whether it takes them some time to to ingest the philosophy, because I think mm. Zayek, Zayek has proven um, that that he he can defend very well. He's yeah. been playing, he played yeah. wing back. He's been good. That's yeah. the kind of position I just never thought he was capable of playing yeah. early on. Whether it's taken some time to appreciate what Tuchel is about. Um, mm. Uh, or whether it suited him that he was playing in this different formation because allows him to get more space, you know, to score a, a fantastic goal. You know, you just think, but it's very similar to the, he has a pop from that area, Robin-like, because he's playing yeah. on the wrong side of his foot and it curls in the corner. So in a sense, but, but at the same time, he's then doing very good defensive duties. Mm. You wonder whether whether uh, Lukaku is going, actually, I don't really want to play this way. Yeah. I like being on my own up front. Yeah. Whereas... He actually headed a few defensive stuff away. He headed a few corners away, didn't he? And and um, and mm. set pieces. So perhaps, uh, and I'm, I think we're trying to find excuses for him. I think this this you're absolutely right, guys, about this inability he's got to to jump for the ball. I find his going for the ball almost like a a, a Sunday league player. You just look at him jumping badly, wrong foot, getting off not off the ground. Center comes in, and he looks as if he's not fit enough to get it you know he doesn't try to hang he just he's not quite there with it or mm. he just waves it past this bizarre mm. thing waves it past and does a thumbs up and you think fucking go for the ball don't wave yeah, yeah, don't yeah, look yeah. at it going over your head make a movement Run J- jk that's the class you, you you're a you're a big cricket player like i used to be that's the classic somebody smashes one and it's probably near enough for you to stop it but you you, you kind of attempt to dive knowing you can't get it or you just you just point to the, the nearest field there is there is yeah 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 what yeah. a wanker he is honestly too too i think he's too heavy to be honest um martin um you know zh i think is is i kind of with tony on that i think zh is is, is changing my mind somebody who uh doesn't need to change any of our minds whatsoever jk i mean jk and i are pretty much doing this every week uh, you know, giving out praise to Tiago Silva, J.K. did earlier on. Um, I mean, I, I, he, I think, I think he was um, he was uh, BBC's man of the match. I, I would find it hard to argue with that. But it's just his calmness and his leadership from the back. He just holds it all together, doesn't he? And he just says all the time in the world. I mean, we say it every week, mate. What a fucking superb player he is. Yes, and what a shame we didn't get him a few years oh, earlier. Yeah, yeah. but. Um, there's not a lot we can do about that now. Um, yeah, you can just see the calm he brings in defence and midfield because, um, yeah, you, you just you just see it. Uh, I mean, there was like two young forwards for uh, Middlesbrough there and they're sprinting around like blue-ass flies and there's Silver, you know, jogging speed, just mopping up the ball they're chasing for. He's getting there at half the speed and dealing with it. It's just effortless. And, you know, this is in... You know, this isn't just against the Premier League opposition. This is supposedly against a, you know, someone who you, you may associate more, you know, blood and thunder, physical side of it. And he's dealing with it all relatively effortlessly. Yeah, I can't, can't, can't speak more highly of him. Tony, um, one of my favourite people in the universe, as you well know, is, know is Mason Mount, a, a boy 
you know, local to your parish, of course. Um, yes. But I don't, I, I don't think Mace has, I don't think Mace has hit the heights of last season, in in a sense. And I think, you know, to be fair, I think with a young player, that's almost inevitable. But actually, statistically, he's certainly done better than last season, according to Match of the Day. And, I, and as I said, my little spreadsheet here from the B kind of confirms that. But do you think, he, do you think he's getting back to his best or what? I, I do. I thought he was brilliant. I thought he was. The, the the sheer running that he does and and his effort every single time he, he he's one of these never say die players or whatever um his sister is was last week she was uh, all at, yeah uh, last week she was in the uh, the local community center here again uh, where my daughter is the the, the governor there and um because my daughter was saying well, you should come down here with a chelsea show i said oh yeah 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 because i'm 16 right i'm gonna go down there wearing chelsea shirt say Oh, I, I think your, your your brother's a great player or whatever. Um, the truth is, he is a good player, very good player. He, he I don't know, he seems to fall into the um, uh, sort of into the background a little bit when people start enthusing about Phil Foden, but they're different types of player. Um, I think if I was looking for someone to be in the trenches with me, I'd probably go for Mason Mount, simply because I just think he would never give in. Um, he doesn't drift in and out of the game too much. He, he's been injury prone this season. He's been sick as well. Didn't he have a, a, a sick uh, 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 about? I think we had about, about COVID or whatever. Um, uh, and I think that it, it's the you know if last season was his dark side of the moon, this season is his wish you were here to put it into Pink mm-hmm. Floyd's because you know wish you were here is a, uh, a hugely underrated album in compared. To, in comparison to Dark Side of the Moon, which was this mega success, you know, this behemoth of an album or whatever. And yet, most Floydies will tell you that if they get a choice, they'd sit down and listen to Wish You Were Here because it's, it, there's more to it. And I think with Mason Mount, he's it, fallen into that sort of thing. It's still very good. It's still excellent. But everybody will be looking back at what he did last season and comparing it to that. So it's like his difficult second album, if you like, in a way. Um, <laughs> and I think that's, it's a tad unfair, really, because... Yeah. Actually, if you if you then go and knock out another ten albums that are all very good, all critically acclaimed, big selling stuff or whatever, then you know it's only it's only in kind of retrospect, in hindsight, that people will look at it and go, "Wow, fantastic, isn't it?" You know, like you did with Aspelacueta earlier. Yeah. Okay. When you start to look at it in the round, right back and go, overall, he's been a very good six yeah. or seven, eight out of ten player. Mason Mount, I think, is is higher than that, but I think. It's an unfair comparison to last season. Yeah, and as I said, I think, you know, for a young kid who's still learning the game effectively, I think it was almost inevitable after the height. I mean, there were massive heights last season. Yes. And I mean, if you think about, you know, his turning point really, in a, in a, I mean, because he was certainly Frank's favourite, Frank's uh, last match in charge, uh, or certainly the cup match before, he made him captain. Frank goes, Tuchel turns up, leaves him on the bench because he wants experienced players playing in that dreadful nil-nil draw against Wolves and and he never did it again and he suddenly realised well actually yeah this kid really is good and of course he was phenomenal and he ends up giving the assist that won us the European Cup so I think it was inevitable for a kid who's still quite young in the game that he that he might have a dip but I think as you as you said Tony you know there is something about Mason Mount he's got a character yeah you know he's I got character yeah and I think there's a buzz about him as well, but um, he he's one of these players, and I, I, I've got to say this, I think Tammy Abraham was one of them as well, and, and Reece James, that genuinely love the club. 
Mm. Right. He, you know, he he's got the potential mount to be a kind of Matt Letizia, one or you know one one club player, if you like, in that sense. That it, if he went anywhere else, it wouldn't quite be right. Yeah, and I think that that's that's a that's a massive thing for any player. You're playing for your childhood. Or one of your childhood teams, because let's be fair, with Mason Mount's a Pompey fan, but you know, um, uh, but you know, this this he he looks to me like he's going to be with us for a very very long time, and the joy, and, you know, the joy on his face. Lukaku didn't celebrate. If I'd say Mason Mount celebrated him, or now it was a fabulous pass in, you know, so he, he deserves the plaudits for a fantastic assist, if you like. But he seemed happier with the goal than, than Lukaku. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Can I, can I just say on the celebrations, is it not out of wild realms of possibility, they were told internally, yes. just, just to tone them down a little yeah. bit? I yeah. mean, I there was all that bollocks last week about them getting criticised for celebrations. I think Sam Kerr got a little bit of it as well. Yeah. Maybe they just... Yeah, well, maybe they just... After the Newcastle game, didn't they? Yeah, well, again, you know, if you don't celebrate yeah. a last-minute winner, you should be checked for a pulse more than anything else. Yeah. But I think maybe with the circumstances being what they were and the fact that um, they, who at someone in the boardroom decided to do the equivalent of a dirty protest by um, with that nonsense about the, tick, the behind-closed-doors request earlier in the week that they just decided to mm. just tone down the celebrations. I mean, yeah. I don't think they were... I, I don't think they weren't happy at scoring, but they just thought, right, let's let, let's not go around cupping ears to the crowd and things like that because that'll just get interpreted completely the wrong way. Yeah. I think absolutely that I think is a very good point, um, uh, and, and I wouldn't be surprised at all of that. With everything that's going on, we're in the news enough, um, and anything that happens to our club is, you know, and it, it is a whole real cliche at the moment, but it's insignificant in comparison to other events in the world. Um, and we, are we, shouldn't, being... we shouldn't have to keep saying that. Anyone with a no. fucking functioning brain cell exactly. knows it's insignificant. Having to caveat this all the time is fucking tedious. It is, yeah. I just want to get that out there now because yeah. this whole idea that you are somehow, we're somehow unintelligent and we can't have two fucking thoughts at once is, yeah. you know, we're doing ourselves down here. We, don't ha- we shouldn't have to say that the, it's insignificant compared to what's going on in Ukraine. No. We should already oh. know that. We already know that. Yeah. So let's and, I, just... and I agree with that. I just think... When, with, with the, and I think that's why your point about, you know, a kind of internal instruction throughout the club, you know, just just be cool. Uh, you know, um, when if you score a goal, there's no need to do it because we're under the microscope more than any other club, more than any other football, any other sporting um, uh, uh, organisation, possibly in the world at the moment. Okay. And I think that I, I, I absolutely... I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head there. I think they were probably told just to keep everything, you know, nice and calm, get out of Dodge, go home and have a couple of weeks yeah, off. Well, that's going to lead in very nicely to what I want to talk about uh, next, which will be in part two, which will be coming up directly into your ear holes. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. 
Welcome back, I'm Stanford Chidge, of course, and this is the Chelsea Fancast with the absolute leg end that is Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Aloha. Aloha to you. Bora Bora. I was trying to work a title into the show tonight, you know, like the idea of Bora Bora, which is a place I've never been to, I quite like to, and, and do Burra Burra, but it didn't quite work. I couldn't make it work. Clever, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I, like the, I like the Tennyson version instead, mm. actually. You know, but there you go. Lovely to see you, J.K. Enjoyed your fan bite. A lot, lot of people. There are some people. There's rumours going around that it might might well have been the best yet. Uh, uh, thank you. It was. It was. Uh, it was a lot of seriousness in it, and a lot of love. Mm. Perhaps is. Uh, uh, I'm not sure we'll get that every week, yeah. but um, I was in a loving mood towards the club. Yeah. Good. There you go. Great to see you yeah. as always, mate. Lovely to see you too, Martin. Yep, lovely to be here. And lovely to see you, Mr Glover. And it's lovely to see you as well, sir. Good. All right. So we were talking in uh, part one a minute ago, really, uh, about the club uh, maybe toning down the the, the, uh, the celebrations. And I was kind of thinking, I know what they should do. They should come out like like the All Blacks or the Mean Machine, just in blue. No no flashings, no sponsors, all wear black boots with no no sponsors, you know, no kind of Adidas, just like and looking really fucking mean and never <laughs> smile. <laughs> never ever smile, never ever celebrate at all. Just get on with a fucking job. But actually, in a funny old sense, J.K., that's kind of what they did. Uh, and I was, I was really, you know, I was a bit worried actually, to be very honest. I think we all were a bit kind of like on, on Thursday when we did the preview show. No, no, no. Okay, you, you never are. I forgot that. But no, I, I am. But I wasn't in this instance. I think if we, if you play back the recording. Yes, all right. The, well, I never listened to the show, so I'm probably. No, me neither. I mean, so I'm probably lying, and I didn't. Well, no, I probably have no idea because I can't remember. And I thought, I thought I said, I thought we were far too good for them. Yeah. We, no, I think, I think we all said, you know, better team. We turn up, we win. But what I, what I really liked was the fact that. It was there was no fuss, there was no dramas, it was not squeaky bum. We were completely in control of that game from the first minute to the last. I never felt like Borough were going to score. I felt if they did score, we would just go and score another one. And I just thought, fucking hell, this is a quarter final of an FA Cup. You know, the number of times we've seen a, a club like Middlesbrough, I mean, they did it to United and Spurs, as we know. And I thought, fair play to them. That's that's re- that's what I want to see. Professional job, two 0 go home next next round. Thank you very much. Well, they almost scored a couple of times after that. Werner's near post header was a goodie, um, and mm. then he he should have scored again um, when he dithered a little bit on the ball and the, uh, allowed the uh, allowed a block to go in. I think, um, and that's the kind of thing where one despairs about Werner as well. I mean, I, I think that considering there are several players playing for the team that we wouldn't normally have in any Chelsea team, um, I think Tuchel's doing quite well. Um, uh, and 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 we thought, as we said, that Werner would would uh, would partner Lukaku but um um did he did he play with him for a part of the game Lukaku did he keep Lukaku well, he didn't he he substituted Lukaku didn't he at one stage um did he substitute him for Werner I can't remember I can't remember either actually mate I think he might well have done hang sample. on I've got I've got me notes here hang on no. hang on no yes no no Werner <laughs> came on for can Werner and Kante on for Pulisic and Kovacic on the 69th right, minute. Pulisic, yeah, Kennedy Pulisic. came on for Ziyech on the 81st minute and Harvey Vale came on for Lukaku in I mean, the 84th. Consi- considering he gave everybody a, a go at the end, the, 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 the pattern of the group, is of the team, is so good that they, they slot in easily. And But it was, you know, it, it, you didn't feel... they, they Once they were 2-0 up, you thought, well, they could score another one. I was hoping they'd score another one. But you knew that they were just even in second gear, that they're... Uh, 
the, the passing patterns are so fluid and so brilliant. I mean, as was the, was the example of both goals and not, you know, not not on not scored from a counterattack as most teams seem to to play according to counterattacks nowadays and with big defenses scored through that dreadful pissing about in front of the goal in fact and enticing four or five players on and then bursting through and then having uh, a couple a man over and uh, it was just um, blissful goals and it meant that that they could just run the whole of the second half and not really bother it was a yeah an, an, a, a brilliantly professional performance. It was, and that's what pleased me most, Martin. I mean, given all of that, and more to the point, given everything that's going on at the moment, I mean, I know we, we've talked about uh, Tuchel uh, being absolutely brilliant because of the way that I mean, his leadership qualities I think uh, have come out. And there's a lovely bit in the presser where he talks about the responsibility he feels not just for the team. But, I mean, it's like he's running the club, you know. I mean, he's talking about the 800 staff and the people who are worried about whether they'll have a job or not. I mean, you know, every time you think, I can't love this bloke anymore, he does something that makes you love him even more. But the way that he's managed the team and he's actually kept their focus on things, he's almost kept them in a mental bud- bubble. Like, don't you worry about what's going on outside. There's no-. And he said this in presses too. We can't control what's going on outside. We can only control what we, we, can, only control what we can do. I mean, I- his leadership in these kind of conditions is just phenomenal, Martin. Absolutely. Um, he really has just been the standout of this whole mess. Um, I think he was, he was put in a, terrible position by being the public spokesman when others in far more um far more glorified positions should have stepped up but chose not to there may be reasons for that but um they may choose to tell us in the fullness of time but in the in the interim Tuchel has just basically been had a statesman role in this and Emma Hayes has as well but I don't follow the women's team as much so I haven't seen it but I have no doubt she's done exactly the same thing you know well beyond the remit of being a football coach he's done a damn good job and I think as we saw with the banner two call for PM which Joe Cole had said earlier in the week as well um, I just find it slightly ironic that you know we'll talk about how we want in out of Europe yet the two people that have spoken the most sensibly on this whole issue regarding um, Ukraine and these sanctions are two German gentlemen so there yeah. we go that says a lot doesn't it Tony um He's really gone above and beyond, I think, hasn't he, in the last couple of weeks? And yeah, he's, he's, can, can, he's, can, I you think... second, can you hear the second humble pie lorry pulling up outside my house? Oh, I don't, <laughs> humble pie for what? You've never knocked Tuchel, I don't think. I did you? before he came in when they sacked yeah. Frank. Well, yeah, well, we, we, were all, we were all very sore about what happened to Frank. Yeah, and I, I think I referred to him as a no-mark, which, which, yeah. <laughs> which coming from a, uh, a, a slightly overweight, ageing, no longer working idle bastard um it's it's probably a bit much uh look um i didn't let you finish i i, I guess my view of tommy turkle as you know, do you know what i did i vowed on the fan cast i vowed go back to one of those post frank um fan casts i vowed never to let myself get emotionally attached Me too. to another chelsea manager as long as i fucking lived and do you know what I mean? It's a bit like saying, uh, you know, I'm, I wake up with a hangover and go, I am never drinking again. Well, it is like that because we always do. Because you always do. And I've gone hook, 
line and sinker for this guy. I, not only do I think he's uh, tactically smart, is he the best tactician in world football? Who knows? I wouldn't go that far. But he's, he, you know what? He tinkers with the team in a way that is, you know, he, he'll make these changes or whatever. Unlike Ranieri, who was the tinker man. And oh, it works. Oh. It works every single time with him, right? It, it, you know, the, 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 these are players that we, we're all guilty on here of probably having written one or two of the players off that are in the team now through necessity that he's given a second lease of life to. But I think in front of the camera, right, I don't think there is a football manager in world football, in world football, that conducts themselves as well in front of the camera, what with sensible, um, logical, well thought out, um, calm, and funny answers. Okay, and it's not his first language. Uh, in what is not his first language, uh, and it's amazing. I thought his comment last week, you know, when how are you going to get the Middlesbrough? And he said, you know, as long as we've got enough shirts and we've got whatever, and we've got a, a bus, then we'll get there. And if I've got a bus, I'll drive a seven seater. Now that I'd expect that from a Sorry. A, a gobby cockney wide boy sitting in in Clanfield to come out with a stupid answer like that, but he came out of it brilliantly. And you can, you, can, you know, the press. No one's trying to get. In fact, the only way the press can shit stir against Tommy Tuchel at the moment is saying that Manchester United are interested in coming in for him. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's hope that's not going to happen. I mean, no. yeah. J.K. I mean, is there anything you can add to the whole Tuchel thing? I will tell you what, I would say is that I, I, one of the things I'm very impressed about with him. I think he's an incredibly self-aware guy. This is a guy who who just knows who he is, and that that kind of humility and confidence comes from that place. I think. I think he's had a lot of therapy. That's my view, actually, and I don't mean that in a bad way because I've had a lot of therapy. Mind you, it doesn't done as much good on me as it has Tuchel by the looks of it. But that's another point. He's just he's just very wise, isn't he? He's very yeah. wise. Yeah, that's he, the word. That's the word I was struggling for. Exactly that. Sage, he's a sage. Is he sagacious? But there's a lot of sagacity there. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, it, there's a there's a, and also a maturity about yeah. him. You know, in a way that that um, you you look at poor Frank, who I'm getting worried about because poor Frank is, uh, um, you know, once again doing that business of saying there's something wrong with the players, which um uh you 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 lose him tommy tuchel would never say that no. you just know he would never say that and it there and it's it may be something because frank has played football at the highest level you wonder whether that's an aspect of, of tuchel's success is he's played decent football and you could say that wenger was similar they played decent football but perhaps b becoming a coach sooner or looking into the whole psychology of coaching means that you don't, he's, he's not become a star. Frank was the best player possibly we've ever had. And you wonder whether his, his, uh, that, that focuses him into, uh, that's the way he looks at football is players effort rather than um, just the, the, the tactics, the patterns on the pitch, the, the stats, the, uh, the, the way that you can get the team to play better rather than asking them to play better as individuals whether it's something that fits into a pattern, whether he's, uh, he's that kind of brain. Um, so uh, perhaps there's, a, there's emotion there, we can see that, but it is a, it's a channeled emotion. He just seems to be a, a very, very mature head indeed. 
on a on a not very old man. Um, uh, but uh, clearly the best manager in the world, best coach in the world, without any shadow of a doubt for me. The the and I I find that he's almost like there's a a, a Cluffian aspect of it that it doesn't really matter who he puts in, he's going to get them to play in the in the pattern. But Clough was all for throwing people on and asking them to do it for themselves. It was almost as if it was the selection that he worked for. Whereas you know that really that everybody has been playing the same way and that the role is something that they'll be able to achieve. You know, I didn't think that Kennedy came on. I didn't immediately think, oh, he's he can't do it. You just thought, hang on, he's just part of this piece at the moment. He's got him playing. All right, he's not one of the better players, but he fits into the overall pattern that Tuchel wants. But yeah, I... I, I you know, there are so many things about management that he, he's sort of opening my eyes to. I think particularly um, stats and uh, the the the, um, the ability of players to 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 play his his systems. I think that is he. I think he requires an intelligence from the players as well. This is why I think you know Barkley will never figure because uh, um, he hasn't made him into somebody who we look at and think, well, actually, he could play for Chelsea. Anybody could play for Chelsea. And I think it does require um, people to be bright bright as well to work at it. Perhaps perhaps this is Lukaku's problem. Perhaps Lukaku doesn't quite get what he's after. I don't, I, you know, it seems interesting to me that, um, uh, th that it is such a well-oiled machine that some players seem to just slot in and it works you know yeah definitely i mean he's he's i i mean he's rapidly approaching the best manager i think we've had anyway we got into another semi-final i mean normally at this stage I, I kind of tell you all this is the 17th fa cup semi-final chelsea Do you know we've been in so many and we're in them every year i've just given up counting now and i think that's a lovely thing yeah. but uh we are in the semi-final we, we drew crystal palace we could have drawn city or liverpool um I gotta be honest, you know, I'm. I, it's it's a difficult one, isn't it? Well, it isn't really at all because if you want to get to the final, then clearly the the easiest route has to be Crystal Palace, Martin. But at that stage of the competition, nobody's really easy. And on the other side of the coin, I think City are are worrying for us this season because we've not beaten them. Whereas Liverpool and us, have, there's there's a, a fag paper between us, and actually, you know, they've not beaten us, so I'm not so worried about Liverpool. But we shouldn't underestimate Palace, should we? Is, is Conor Gallagher going to be able to play against us, do you know? Oh, no idea. I'd, I suppose at the moment the answer is no, but I can see that being used as a stick to try and beat us with. Um, there's no doubt it's going to be Chelsea versus the world again when that game comes round. Um, be honest, it would have been the same if it had been Liverpool. Anyway, regardless, so I wouldn't, wouldn't worry too much about it. Um, well, Palace haven't got there by default. That's what I'd say. Um, I mean, Zaha's always been a bit flattered to deceive when I've seen him, but Elise looks very good, oh, and yeah. um, they've clearly got something something working. So they're not to be underestimated at all. They will turn up on mass um, as they did in the FA Cup final a few years back, and um, we may still have all that nonsense with tickets hanging over us and uncertainty. Um, Hopefully, Sale will have a little bit more clarity on it by the time of the game. But, well, there's no clarity anywhere at the moment, so it's difficult to predict. But, um, yeah, I mean, we definitely got the team we wanted in the draw, but that doesn't make it easy, per se. No. Maybe just a little less tough. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, not to be underestimated, but I'm quite happy, Tony, in a sense that it's not Liverpool or City. I've got a sneaking suspicion that it might end up being a, a Chelsea-Liverpool final anyway, actually, so that we can get Rivengi on them for stealing the Caribou Cup <sighs> final from us. But uh, I suppose the bigger issue at the moment is... You know, can we get tickets? I mean, I've got a. Do you mind yes. if I just read you this this uh, thing? Out? I, I I got this from the Times today from Martin Ziegler, who's a very respected journo. Actually, he, you know, he's very highly researched. Blah 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 blah. But the announcement was, or his news piece was, a commercial ticket agency could sell tickets for Chelsea's FA Cup semi final and Champions League quarter final interesting and the Champions League quarterfinal with the proceeds going into a frozen account under a plan being discussed by government officials that would allow the club's fans to attend matches the department well the DCMS is in discussions with the treasury as that's the department that oversees the OFSI which is the kind of sanctioning office about the ticketing issue and it's also holding talks with the FA and UEFA under the terms of the license, Chelsea are not allowed to operate, blah, 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 blah. We know that already. Now, it had previously been suggested that the governing bodies could sell the tickets for the Champions League and FA Cup matches, but they're concerned that it would be, uh, would breach the terms of the UK and European Union sanctions if they acted as an agent for the club. If the FA Cup semi-final against Crystal Palace on April the 16th or the Champions League quarter-final home leg against Real Madrid on April the 6th takes place after the sale of Chelsea has gone through, the ticket revenue could go from the frozen account to the new owners. The ticket agency plan could also be used for away fans and unsold tickets for Chelsea's home Premier League games. There would be an expectation that the agency would be given details about the club's season ticket holders and members in order to give them priority. Could be a a, a data issue there, but it could also be used to sell tickets for the away leg um, to Madrid on April 13th. Now, while Chelsea remain under Abramovich's ownership, the Spanish government will have to issue a special licence for Chelsea to play there, likely to be based on the same terms as the British government's licence. So things seem to be moving at a pace in this story, as they often are, but there may be hope there for us all to get a ticket in that case. I think so, because um, as of 30 minutes ago, the BBC are reporting that Chelsea can now expect to have full support at their FA Cup semi-final against Crystal Palace at Wembley. The FA says there have been talks with the government on amendments to the club's operating licence. It would allow tickets to be sold as normal for the game, which is due to be played on the weekend of the 16th, 17th of April. Then it goes on the usual stuff or whatever. But, um, yeah, it inclu- uh, the FA spokesman said English football's governing body hopes to have sellout crowds at both semi-finals, including uh, tickets for Chelsea sports for their match against Crystal Palace. We're working with the government on a method to achieve this whilst respecting the sanctions that are currently in place. Um and earlier, Julian Knight, chair of the DCMS committee, called for changes to the special licence imposed on Stamford Bridge Club. Chelsea is more than just its owner. It's a living organism with huge importance to its fans and community, said Knight. It was understandable that at short notice last week's game against Middlesbrough went ahead without Chelsea fans. But with this much notice, <laughs> the FA had no excuse for excluding them. The FA must be allowed to sell tickets to Chelsea fans so long as all of the money goes to the people of the Ukraine. So... But it- I is think, that going to be the point? It's all going to the Ukraine, is it? Because to me, I thought there'll still be a percentage going to the FA. You cannot um, imagine the FA not. ever seeing about two million quids worth That's not exactly going anywhere near their coffers. You cannot imagine it. And I think, you know, for me, I mean, I'm, I'm going to come clean here. I am going to miss both Champions League matches and, uh, and the semi-final because I will be, with any luck, covid not getting it and permitting, I will be on a ship in the Caribbean cruising around the islands. Um, and 
I can tell you now, knowing the uh, the ship that we're on and the people we're going with, the um, the company, there is absolutely zero chance of them showing any football at all on the ship, unless I can find a bar somewhere uh, and then and also get that past the uh, the lovely Mrs G. Um, you know, I'm going to miss them. So I will be, in a way, um, uh, shielded from all of this and then having the pleasant surprise of probably pulling into a port and finding out the result from a text message. <laughs> but I think it's good. I think, you know, I, 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 I you know, from a, I, I, I echo the, uh, you know, JK and, and Martin, you know, you if you were picking a team out of the other three, I would have hoped to have got Palace. I would have definitely hoped to have got Palace. And for the Champions League, I honestly still think, even last season showed it, that the top three or four teams in in the uh, English Premier League are way ahead of anything in Spain at the moment, I think. Um, uh, I certainly don't think Real Madrid um, threaten us too much. I genuinely don't. And I would rarely ever say that. Our record against Real Madrid, by the way, is absolutely phenomenal. Never lost to them, mate. Never lost to them. Um, and it's a bit like the old days of Barcelona when we never lost to them when we had 11 on the pitch. Um, they always had to knock one of us out um, uh, to, to get a result against us. So I'm, I'm pleased. I think, you know, you're going to get through the Liverpool City. You know, the other thing is, I do think the, the majority of the media focus for the FA Cup semi-final will be on Liverpool versus City. I think that's where a lot of the focus will be. That will be the one that would be hyped up as the, you know, the semi-final of the, the century. match of the century. Exactly, exactly. And the wank we, fest of the century. Yeah, would be more all you can it. hope is that, is they, that they knock ten pounds of shit out of each other, and 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 you know, if we meet them in the final, um, it, they would have peaked in the semi. You know, um, City, I, don't, I don't think you can really describe a semi as peaking, really, Tony. <laughs> At my age, hmm. Interesting. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm pleased. I think, um, like you said, you, you go in a game against Borough and it's a bit like when you, you hold your, uh, a child out and say, punch me, you know, you just let them flail away or whatever while you, and then if you really wanted to do them, you just knock them over. Um, uh, but yeah, another semi-final, always good. And Palace, they're a work in progress. Um I'm intrigued by the Conor Gallagher situation like anybody else's. Um, I, d- I don't think he'll play. I mean, because basically it's up to us. No. Yeah. yeah. Do, you think, do you think that's right, JK, for them to say no to, to Gallagher? What, yeah. we, what are we scared of? Nothing. I, I know about oh, the question of being scared. The, the, the rule is he doesn't play. And he was... No, uh, no, no, he... not, for cup, not for cup matches. No, for really? Cup ma- yeah, apparently. When, when it happened the other season, I think we played... Uh, against Mount and Tamori, didn't we, for Derby, and we gave Derby permission to play them. I think it's up to us. We can we can make the decision, but it's not automatic. It, it exposes that player to accusations should they make a yeah, fuck possibly. up. Yeah, possibly. You know, I think that would be that would be a, a definite concern from yeah. a PFA perspective I mean, they, and an FA perspective, you know. They're definitely not the same team if he plays. I mean, if he doesn't play, sorry, yeah. if he doesn't play, they're not the same team. He's, uh, you know, he's he's top player. No, I don't. I don't want him to play. I was. I was. No, I'm He's sorry. He's the best I player, so I agree yeah, with you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I don't want. No, I'm. I'm up very pleased we're playing Palace. I think we'll win. Obviously. Mm. You know, I think we'd win whoever, well, other than City, as you say. I think City are our bogey team this year. I think. Um, He's been all out uh, to make sure he doesn't lose to us this season after what happened in Porto. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. yeah. 
yeah, yeah. but there you go martin um Gallagher aside, uh, what do you think about getting Palace in the semi, and what it, what's the point? It's moving it on to, to Real Madrid. I think I think it looks like we we should be able to get tickets for all of those matches home and away for Real Madrid, which is encouraging. But uh, what do you fancy? Did you fancy our prospects against both? Uh, yeah, um, I didn't. I did watch Real Madrid last night lose four 0 at home to Barcelona, mm. and they didn't look very good. But I wouldn't expect them to be that crap against us. But you know we've you know, got recent muscle memory of beating them last year. So we shouldn't be scared, shouldn't be worried about them at all. If any, you know, as Tuchel said, we want to be the team that no, no one else wants to draw. Yeah. So I think that's the way forward. Um, I've spoke about Palace earlier, so I don't really want to repeat myself too much. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Real Madrid, keep it. If we, we First legs at home, I believe. So it's, if we're able to go, then create a bit of a, a racket and we, we should be able to stick a couple of goals on them. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the thing, my view on the Real Madrid, I mean, you know, the thing is to be not scared of the name and it's very easy to be scared of the name because they're arguably the greatest name in football if you just look at what they've won. Um, but I think we eradicated any fear we might have over them uh, last year when we beat them quite comfortably, really. It should have been a lot more comfortable than it was. I think the real key for this is the same as it was last year. They're a team of old men, and we're a team of young men. I think we're fitter and stronger than them. And I think if and Tuchel is a fucking phenomenal tactician, and much as I love Carlo Ancelotti, I was up at Old Trafford when he got completely outthought by Mourinho in the in the uh, I think it was the quarterfinal of the Champions League way back when. So I I have no no problem with Tuchel outthinking Carlo Ancelotti. Love him as I do. So. I think, I mean, I would like us to go in as underdogs because I think we're much better when we're underdogs. Yes. But I don't, I think privately, internally, there's no way we're under, I think we should be favourites to beat them, actually. And it was interesting listening to the best show on the radio apart from this one, which is the, um, oh, fucking, I'm having a brain fart, Trans Euro Express. Trans Euro Express. Yeah, yeah. with uh, Danny Kelly. But the guy, Andy Brassel, I think they had on last night uh, talking about it. And and he 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 reckons we're favourites to beat them as well. So those in the know seem to to. Just have it don't down. you think we'll be we'll be underdogs regardless against Madrid because everybody's yeah. Madrid is this great team and that last year was a fluke. Yeah. That was what everybody yeah. said yeah, totally. about us. We you know we we played an understrength Madrid who when because they were playing behind closed doors. I've already read. Oh no no! When we're playing them away at the uh, at the the what is it the Bernabeu. That, no, 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 we won't. It's a completely different kettle of fish and that they'll win easily. I've read that already. So, you know, OK, we're keep gonna it go going to keep yeah, it keep going. Keep it going. I love that. Right. Let's wrap up this part with a with a very, very quick. One. We've got no no proper football for two weeks uh, by uh, April the 2nd. I, I, I hope to be well, that's hoping that, that that's when I return to the bridge. So I'm, I hope you're going, Tony, because I'm going to be on the beer big time, mate. I tell you, I, I'll, I'll, I am probably not going to that game. Because... No. Because I go, uh, I, I, I fly. Oh, you're off, aren't you? And I have to pass a lateral flow test that is not a free NHS one that evening. Right. Uh, plus a, a, a clinician administered PCR test three days before. Uh, and I, I did put it to the, I put it to a Twitter 
vote or not a vote really i just said what would you not do and i overwhelmingly got everybody come back and say it'll be a perfunctory two-nil win go on your holiday okay. and don't 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 risk it so my daughter my lovely daughter natasha is going to be um sitting in my place um, okay. that day. all right well fair enough um i'll have to go and find somebody else to get drunk with then i suppose but, well she's uh, quite she's, she's quite good at getting do you, think Tash, do you think tasha will take me out and get me on get me shit face yeah she, she's pretty good like that I've been just, just like her old man i like it yeah. chip off the old block and all <laughs> yeah. that Probably, probably funnier than you too, really. If, if you could go up with me, Chidge, and I could She's have definitely got more wine. Than me. Hang on, I couldn't hear you because you were both talking at the same time. JK first, then Tony. I said you could take me out, Chidge, for a drink. I'd go drinking with you, and I, I would get pissed after half a glass of I wine. Know. You're a cheap date, JK. It's very, very true. You're very, very true. Tony. Uh, Tasha, my Tasha describes herself as full of sass. It's full of sass. I, I, I would say that's exactly what she is. Okay. She's very. Yes. Fair enough. Eloquent I, and gobby. I shall be. Oh, well, just like you then, mate. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> Lo- lovely to see it runs in the family. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, it, we're obviously going to have a break, uh, an international break for two weeks, which I absolutely abhor. But uh, I think it does raise a very, a, quite an interesting question, Martin, as in, is this a good time for Chelsea to have a break or not? I think it is, you know. For the main reason, it will just stop any any dramas going on about the sale of the club aren't taking place with, you know, the playing side being affected inadvertently by having to block out a load of noise. With any luck, and, you know, fingers crossed, the processes are clearer by the time they return to action on the 2nd of April. Um, yeah, I, I think so. I think some of them probably just need to get away for a bit and... Um, yeah. Clear their heads too. I think one of them might well be Thomas Tuchel. He deserves a long fucking lie down yeah. after some of the di- diplomacy he had to do. Um, yeah, I, I think you need time for heads to clear and for um, the path forward to become more apparent. I think we've come to terms with the fact that Roman is going and it's just a case of um, who comes in next. And with any luck, rain capital will. It's, it's like a fucking shit reality show. The, they will announce their shortlist soon. Yeah, it's like, it's like a really bad version of The Apprentice, and I fucking hate The Apprentice. Yeah, me yeah. too. Me it's too. for middle. It's, it's it's for people who are too middle class and wanky for Big Brother, and yeah. I, I really hate that my football club is being subjected to these bollocks as a result of um of everything that's going on. But well, I hope. Yeah, I'm amused about this this shortlist. What's what's the idea behind a shortlist? What does that achieve? Does weed it... out weed out the bids that are yeah. like well, no no no. Mid- but why? But can't they do that behind closed doors? Why do they have? Well, to get... well they can, but every fucker seems to leak everything. Yeah, you know, That's it's probably... like oh, it's you, you mean it's not officially done. It's not an official shortlist. Well, it's, like, they... it's, it's like it's like transfer rumors for business but, nerds. But do they do it... that in order to change the bid? I mean, already apparently somebody was saying that they've. The, the bids have been nuanced. They've been finessed um, even even just after they've been put in. Is that because they're they're reading about other, they've heard about other bids? Is that- Honestly, well, I, I honestly have no idea. Yeah, so basically if it's if it follows the standard kind of business bidding process, they, they in when I, where I work, we called it an RFP. Uh, and what you do is you have a list of criteria and you get the bidding people to answer the questions against that criteria and it could be just like an attachment or you know we will do this or we have, we have hopes to do this or whatever um it's fairly standard what what in business terms is called fairly standard supply chain management kind yeah. of questions yeah what, what what do you plan to do when they've closed the bids when that's, that's done 
you're then going through the, the first period of diligence, which is then you're digging in deep into the bids. You're seeing, you'll be demanding to see proof of funds, uh, that sort of stuff. So you, you, you haven't just got, um, you know, uh, 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 Jonathan Kidd going and saying, well, I'll stick four billion in. Yeah, I'm sure I can get it from somewhere. They have to be able to back this up. And that's oh. what this week is about. So you've had the new one going today, uh, Centricus, they're called. Yeah. Um, I've just seen this from Nizar. I know, I know one of the people, Bob Finch. I yeah. Think. He, he That's right, and, put, and they've gone in. Wanted with to a, put money in. Yeah, there's a to lot of Bates, Korean Bates money. In money. In he always wanted to be involved, yeah. and there's a lot of Korean money into this one. Um, the, the, the new investor, uh, National Pension Service of Korea, Hyundai, Samsung, LG Group. There's all sorts of things behind this. There's, that is the one that's intrigued. Or there's two, I think, that are pulling on Korean uh, backing, and that really, really is interesting because, of course, the potential in the Asian market is huge. South Korea is a, a, a hugely forward-thinking, high-tech society. Um, and I, I think that, that they've got to be in with a serious shout for this. But yeah, that's the process this week will be taking your, I don't know, 12 bidders or whoever got in on time. I mean, the Turkish chap didn't, did he? Because he blamed his yes. daughter for not getting it together. You um, said he hadn't got a prop, the proper email for good. That's news. right. And I, that just reeks of... Uh, he's, he's got a bit of free marketing out of this, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I'll fly the Chelsea, the flag, Chelsea flag will fly high over Istanbul. Um, and, and what happened this week is they will then whittle it down to whatever they, they decide. It's usually four or five. Yeah. And then there'll be a second round of what will be presentations. Yeah. Well, they, they'll dig deep into this before. That's when they meet them personally. Yeah. And it, and that, that's what happened. And, and part and parcel of that is, is to take away any any chance of favouritism or old mates, uh, backhanders and this sort of stuff. It never quite works like that, but it's all about, um, you know, sort of like being fair in competition law. Yeah, so it's all covered by competition law and that sort of stuff, mergers and acquisitions. Uh, they'll want to look at it. So, it's, it, we're, you know, we're a UK-listed business and, and the government effectively own that club, if you like, at the moment, in, in the sense of even if they don't physically own the assets of it, they are in charge of everything. So they would have to be seen to be scrupulously fair because every other company in this country that is going through some sort of takeover bid or whatever has to follow these rules. Sure, sure. But Tony, if they, if they, if the club decide on somebody, because it'll be the club board, won't they, deciding on yeah. it? Will yeah. they then have to, they'll have to give it to the government to approve, won't they, because of this yes. situation? So it yeah, may be they will... what, who they choose, the government deem to be inappropriate. Um, yeah, I mean... There would be, I would be, I would be very doubtful that there's anybody in the government, on any part of the government in the civil service, that would have the experience, qualifications, or whatever, to know what's right for a football club. Okay. No, um, indeed, but you just worry, therefore. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if they, they, they rubber stamp, they rubber stamp rain. Yeah, they rubber stamp the rain group to oversee this then almost certainly they will accept the rain group's recommendation. Well, the only thing that the government want to get involved in is to, to know whether, you know, yes. any these people, they don't give a shit whether they've got the money or what their intentions are with the club. They only give a shit about whether they're, uh, you know, going to be politically embarrassing or sensitive. That's the only yeah. involvement with the government. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that'll play a, a, a part of it. I, don't, I think there's more, there will be more to it than that because, because of competition law. And I've done, a, I did a load of training in this and it is a, it's quite torturous, but it, it's also torturous for the right reasons. Yeah. 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 And I can't remember it with, with, with no favourites or no favour or whatever it is. It's, it's completely done objectively. Yeah. 
and then the decisions are made at the end. And I would assume that it's somebody on the rain group who will say, this is what we think the best bid is. They'll present that to the Chelsea board. Okay. I noticed that this latest lot are very keen on keeping Marina, for example. They've specifically said that. Okay. And the current Who's tainted by her association with Abramovich. So, I mean, here's the thing, Tony, Tony, here's the thing. And this is why we cannot trust any of these fuckers because they're like politicians at election time. They oh, will yeah. say anything yeah, to yeah, get yeah. anybody on side. And the, well, the, 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 only time, the only time we can judge any of this lot is once they've got it and then we see yeah. what they do. And I'll tell you what, this whole thing, I'm with you on this, Martin. This is like seeing your girlfriend being, you know, kind of uh, bid for in an auction in a brothel with lots of lascivious, slavering old men oh, yeah. leching over there. It's really horrible, and I don't like it one bit. And anyway, we've got to move on, so I'm going to. Uh, you can, what, JK, you look as well, you either look shocked, aghast, or about to say something. I had this terrible image of a brothel. <laughs> and I was one of the slavering old men. <laughs> I've never been in one, JK. You must tell me about it one day. Yeah, no, I mean, I haven't. I was thinking of, thinking of brothels as in... You know, um, Lettre Persan by, um, um, uh, forgotten his name, Montesquieu. Was it Montesquieu wrote that? I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm being a bit poncy. Sorry. Um, I was thinking of... Uh, <laughs> sorry, you know, JK. Was... This show is getting a bit poncy. I'm so sorry. I do apologize. Have we just walked into Lovey's Corner in yeah. private? Yeah, you, we did there just for a second. Yeah. <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Anyway, uh, three very quick things to tell you that are very, very important. Uh, first of all, is that there will be a new issue of CFC UK out very, very soon. I know this how? Well, because the deadline for my article is this Friday, which always tells me that there will be an issue coming out shortly. I would imagine, actually, for the Brentford match, to be honest, but there you go. Uh, so don't forget to go and visit the stall opposite Fulham Broadway on a match day. Only a pound, hurry up. Uh, and of course, if you want to uh, subscribe to the CFC UK fanzine, it's uh, 16 quid to do so in the UK, 35 quid to do so in Europe, 45 quid to do so in the rest of the world. And if you want to do that, then you just email fanzine at cfcuk.net and uh, get older DJ and he'll explain what you have to do. But you can pay by PayPal. Uh, so it's all pretty simple. You can do the same if you want a, a non kind of real copy. You can get it on as a PDF and that's a lot cheaper. I think that's six quid for the season. So there you go. Um, as we all know, because the, 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 the state the club is in with all these, as I just compare them to uh, lascivious and slavering old men uh, bidding for our beloved football club. Uh, the one thing that we really want to keep is our chastity and that is held in trust by the wonderful Chelsea pitch owners who mean well basically they, they own the freehold of the ground and they own the rights to the name of Chelsea FC so whoever we get in uh, will have to do something pretty nefarious to get rid of that because it protects Chelsea playing at Stamford Bridge for eternity hopefully and if you want to be part of that and buy into that you can it's very easy go and buy a share right so they're 110 quid for a share uh, that's for an electronic version. The, they get more expensive depending on what you want. So framed, signed, that kind of thing. But entry point is 110 quid. I urge you to go and buy a share now if you love this football club and want it to stay playing football at Stamford Bridge. Uh, go to Chelsea's uh, website, chelseafc.com, and just search for Chelsea Pitch Owners in the search engine there and you will find it. And uh, last of all, uh, you can add joining uh, the Chelsea Supporters Trust to your list of things to do if you haven't done so already. Um, they've been doing absolutely... I mean, I'm, I'm not just saying this because I'm on the board and I know it sounds utterly biased and rather self-absorbed, but uh, they have done tremendous work over the last two weeks fighting the supporters' corner, trying to make sure that uh, they're getting their voice... Uh, getting your voice heard and insisting that several things happen. Should we have a new owner like keeping the CPO? 
hopefully waiving the 8 million quid in debt, uh, having a golden share, which of course protects all the heritage items like the badge, the colour of the, uh, the colour of the shirts, anything that the supporters hold sacrosanct, uh, supporting the, uh, the, the women's team, the academy and the foundation, continuing the good work therein and stopping them from jumping on the European Super, Super League bus Mark II should the opportunity arise because we don't want that either. So that's what the demands have been uh, and uh, the more of you that are members of the trust, the more forceful that message becomes. So uh, do join the trust. Uh, go to chelseasupporterstrust.com uh, and it's all on there how you join up. Five quid a year, very cheap. Uh, and of course, the other thing that the Trust does is great works. And one of those is definitely happening this weekend, next Saturday. It's the big Stamford Bridge sleep out. I am doing it, albeit in my garage, not at Stamford Bridge. Many others are going to be sleeping outside at Stamford Bridge for the evening, uh, which will be bloody cold, but all in a good cause because it's for the Stoll veterans, our next door neighbours, who do a lot of work helping uh, homeless veterans find accommodation and stuff. Um, I have a Just Giving site if you want to donate to that. It'd be lovely if you could. Uh, and I'm on uh, justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash David hyphen Chigi. That URL is pinned to both the Chelsea Fancast and my at Stanford Chigi Twitter uh, threads. So if you forget it, you can just go there, donate whatever you can. I mean, there's no no pressure as always. And it, you, you don't have to just donate to me either. You can go to the main page, which is justgiving.com forward slash campaign forward slash big Stanford Bridge sleep out. 2022 and you can have a list of all the people that are taking part in the sleep out so if you want to donate to other people other than me brilliant doesn't matter the, the money all goes to the same place and uh, as you know because we had him on the show the other week but uh, the lovely marco worrell has edited and compiled a book of brilliant brilliant articles uh, by many of your favorite chelsea authors and me uh called tales from the shed and uh, the profits of that are going to be going towards the big sleep out uh charity which is stole as i've said uh now the book's on sale at the uh the stall for nine quid five quid of that will go to stole you can also get it via ebay uh the link is www.gate17books.co.uk uh, and of course you can get it from amazon as well worldwide and uh, still a, he- a healthy contribution goes to stole as well as a two quid or a 10% auto donation to the Alzheimer's Society. So lots of good things for you to do. Annoyingly, they all involve spending money, but I'm sure you would agree they are all for excellent causes. Anyway, we will be back in a second or two for fannies and Discord and emails. Cheech. JK, in all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel... If you couldn't be there, and it's not on TV. Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boy's life. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all... No more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. 
I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I am, of course, Stanford Chidge, and uh, we're on the home straight now, part three tonight. I've got the lovely Jonathan Kidd with me. Great to be on the show. Thank you. I've also got the absolutely fantastic Martin Wickham. Good evening. And last, but by very much no means least, uh, the right Reverend Tony Glover. Bless you, my son. There you go. Good to see you, mate. Always good to see you lot on board. Right. Uh, first up for uh, part three uh, is a bit of Fanny. Fannies, I should say, the plural. <laughs> uh, just, I just, uh, you know, I just, wanted, well, yeah, slit, I, yeah. I just wanted to know who was still awake. That was all. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I can yeah. confirm that you are all still awake, which is no mean feat. Anyway, um, yeah, we've got Fannies, man of the match first, obviously. And uh, this was accompanied by this little introduction. Yes, the fine, the fine voiceover artiste that is known as Alan Partridge uh, did that one. So yes, there we go. I noticed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, the nominees. Uh, these all come from our Discord group, people. By the way, and they're absolutely brilliant. The minute the match is finished, they're all in there posting who they think should be man of the match. So the three that they mentioned most frequently are Thiago Silva, Mason Mount, and uh, Hakim Ziyech. Jonathan, who are you going for? Uh, 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 oh, I seem to have lost. Oh, here we are. Yes. Um, um, well, Silver, obviously, because he was wonderful. But uh, I thought Ziek was great, actually, as well. So, um, and Mace was great as well. And in fact, they were all so good that I can't. Yeah, Silver just because he was immaculate. So yeah, but he's he's a, he should get man of the match every week if that's the case. But yeah, what wonderful, quite brilliant man of the match for me, Silver. Yeah. Talking of um, Silver, amount, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, I did that podcast with the lovely blokes from that that Chelsea podcast on Sunday morning. Yes, uh, and they always I suggested a few things that you should talk about. You did. It was brilliant what they did because it was running out of time. So they said, "Can you give us one word answers to all of JK's questions?" So it became a bit like free association. It was brilliant. You might, you should listen to it. It was very funny. They did a great job. Good stuff. Okay, right. So silver for JK, uh, Martin. Like a forecourt full of Rolls Royces, Thiago Silver machine for me. Lovely. Oh. I agree with that. Tony? Well, far be it from me to. Uh, no controversial, controversial. But I think, and he's my favourite player at the moment, I'm going to go for Ziyech. Okay. I, I thought he was fabulous. He's been fabulous every game I've seen him in lately. Um, and there's that, 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 that wand of a left foot we're starting to see now. So, mm. so is this you on the bonnet of the humble pie lorry? Uh, yeah, basically. 
uh, the humble pie lorry is becoming a more frequent visitor to my house. <laughs> I think he, he's prostrating himself, JK, which is only slightly better than prostituting himself, if you ask me. But there you go. Anyway, uh, I'm going to go for silver, make it a 3-1 win. Um, all right, salary moment. Uh, no doubt there'll be some late nominations from JK, but never mind. Um, the first one is Rudiger's air shot, if anybody remembers that. Daryl, Daryl, hilariously on Discord uh, said, uh, "Mounts Barnet and Tash," yeah. which I think he's finding rather hilarious. Uh, and uh, I can't remember who. I think it might have been Pierre who mentioned this. Uh, Too cool for PM. The Too cool for PM banner, which I quite like. So, uh, in reverse order this time, I'm going to go Martin first. What do you reckon? Not reverse order. It should be Tony. <laughs> Not on my screen. Oh, okay. So it's your Zoom screen going. Fair enough. Um, Ugh, I can't. I didn't. I didn't notice the first two, so I'm going to say the two call for PM thing purely because it's quite amusing, and you know, if it's good enough for Joe Cole, it's good enough for me. Okay, I like that, Tony. Well, I'm going to go uh, because I believe that um, uh, up until recently, the finest, the finest head of hair in the Chelsea team was that of Marcus Alonso. And I believe he's now been overtaken by Ooh. Mason Mount, who I believe, with his little moustache, is channeling his inner David Niven. Hello. No. Yeah. He's looking more like a 70s porn star, mate. He's a bit like you. You, you look a bit like a 70s porn star, but he really does. No, I, I, I see the David Niven there. And he's, I can imagine Mason Mount walking around with a, a glass of sherry in a very posh club, the kind of place that JK goes to again. Hello. You don't want to know what Chidge sees with this comparison. <laughs> no, no, probably best to leave it there. JK? Um, uh, Rudiger's air shot isn't for me because I was disappointed. So uh, I want to see the ball rippling the net. It was know. quite funny, though. Yeah, there was an element of, but at the same time, an element of, um, uh, of uh, um, bad play. And I don't think celery moments should be associated with bad play. Even if they're so, really funny. Yeah, no, they, well, it, it, it's it, it's to the detriment of Rudiger, who is, you know, becoming a god. And I don't think I like that very much. So um, um, it's all right him doing waggly legs and putting the, ball <laughs> behind his, uh, putting the ball behind his back in front of the referee who then books him but, um, and confronting people. But I think, I don't know, Rudiger air shot, not for me. Um, Tuka for PM, I missed that as a banner, I have to say. Um, uh, I can't think of any others, Chidge. I've disappointed. I've let you down. I didn't see any others. But um, because my my daughter is hugely disappointed that Mount has started growing his hair, because apparently, um, you know, that kind of shaven up, that kind of World War One haircut they've all been sporting, shaven up the side with a little bit on the top, is something that she finds desperately attractive. So uh, um, I'll go for that because. Uh, uh, she was really wound up by that. Just going, oh, no, 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 God, no, no, please not look at his hair. Oh no! So uh, for me, that's uh, that's the celery moment. So. All right. Well, I'm I'm going to go for two cool for PM because I, I I laughed my head off when Joe Cole said it after the Le- uh, after the Lille game, and uh, it was just brilliant to see a banner a banner there on uh, you know a few days later. And in a way that 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 covers both bases. It was very funny. But it also is very proper Chelsea that they managed to get a banner organised that quickly, Jacob. Yeah, quickly. But may I say also how excellent Joe Cole has become oh, as, yeah. a, oh, as yeah. a pun. Really, really, yeah, really terrific. good. Really, really good, isn't he? He was on the um, uh, the BT uh, 
you know their equivalent of Soccer Saturday, which is much much better than Soccer Saturday. It, they really have got a fabulous uh, little show there going. You know, with the, uh, and the banter between Chris Sutton and uh, uh, Savage and that is genuinely funny. Um, but he was on there the other week, and he kept putting in words that that the other <laughs> the others on the panel was they were all looking at him going. Have you, have you been squatting up in a dictionary? And they were just, you know, sort of like the words you wouldn't expect to hear from Joe Cole's mouth. It was very good. And I think he's he's having fun. He looks genuinely like he's having fun when he's doing the, the you know, punditry and around games or any game. I'm, I'm really, really deeply impressed by him. I just read, sorry, Tony, I, I wasn't ignoring you, but I've just seen this. Uh, Martin might uh, have, oh, I maybe know it's from a Man City fan. They're saying that there's no trains to London all weekend. Uh, I've heard, I've heard that the FA Cup semi-final weekend. Yeah, I've heard that. Um, it's Easter weekend, so they tend to close everything down for engineering works, which is wonderful if you're a fan from Manchester or Liverpool trying to get down to London yeah. because you have to use that line. Yeah, oh, well. of course, our, the powers that be don't consider these things. Well, I should probably have to drive to London anyway. Uh, it's going to limit my drinking somewhat, but never mind. It's probably good for my health. Uh, anyway, Tuchel for PM wins the salary moment which is all right by me. Guinness moment. Silver's pass in the first goal build-up. Rudiger's uh, part in the second goal, so the build-up for the second goal. And uh, a, a, a Pierre said, a Loftus-cheek turn. Clearly not the first two attempts. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite right, really. If, if, if at first you don't succeed. <laughs> yeah, indeed. So, Tony first. Um, blimey. Uh, that's a tough I wouldn't go for the Loftus cheek turn because he fucked it up a couple of times, you know. Um, should he be damned by the first two, though, if the last one worked? Yeah. Yes, because he needed to give me a fucking heart attack yeah, on the first too. one. Me too. He gave me a, <laughs> gave me a um, heart attack with this one as well. This is, this is I actually said, I actually shouted at the screen, no, for fuck's sake, no, okay. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to go for um, moment. It's a it's a heart attack moment. Yeah, I I, th I think Silver's getting enough credit, so I'm going to go for the Rudiger one. I love him. I think when 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 Aspi isn't playing, Rudiger should be our captain. He's and I'm going to give him that not only for the second goal build up, but because he would start a fight in a room on his own. I love him. If he was a captain, though, wouldn't he? He might just nut the referee. Brilliant. At the coin cost. At the coin cost? The coin cost. Settle down, yeah. Mr. Spooner. Yeah. <laughs> he channels his inner Billy Bremner, which is because he's the complete, absolute opposite of that, in that he can a, play football and he's not Scottish and he's not ginger, but he's got that kind of snapping at people's act. I love him. I just love him. I just he, He's got an old-fashioned, the shithousery, everything about him. Love it. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Right, so Rudiger for you, Tony. JK? Yeah. Um, Loftus-Cheek turn, as we've established. No, no, there was no ho moment. There was a ah moment. Um, <laughs> Rudiger's second goal build up. It didn't, it, I didn't look at it at the time and, and, and have an orgasm. So, uh, whereas anything that Silver does, I'm constantly going, oh, ho, oh, oh. ho. So I'll go for Silver. Oh. Silver, yeah. Okay, Martin? Our goal's banned from this now. Well, we yes. kind of, yes. All <laughs> yeah. oh, right. <laughs> Apparently, according to JK, they're banned, yeah. 
Yeah, so that's fucked up the only thing I can remember, which was the Ziet goal. Um... <laughs> yeah, well, that, that, I mean, you know, I've, there are exceptional circumstances. So, like, when Kovacic scored against Liverpool, there's no way we couldn't have not had that as, the, as a Guinness moment. But could you not go for the whole move, if that be allowed? No, because thought... I only remember the goal. <laughs> oh, we only remember the shot. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. rest of it's just incidental. It's the goal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the real, the real barometer, Martin, is literally, if you're watching that game and you have that moment where you just see something so good, as, as we've always said, it's kind of a sexual moment almost, you know. So, uh, so therefore, I mean, you know, I know you could say that about some goals, but, but not all goals. And the feeling's very different. So it's a bit more subtle in a, in a sense. But anyway, you're going for... Of, the, of those three, yeah. I'll go for the really good goal just because of the end products. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, I'm going for uh, the Silvers passing, actually, because it wasn't just one pass in the build-up for the first goal because it was just brilliant because he was under a lot of pressure just outside the penalty area, our own penalty area, and he was just playing little one-twos with everybody and slight turns, and he, and he was just as calm as a cucumber, how cool as a cucumber, really calm. And then, of course, his pass found... I think uh, Ziyech, who then passed it to Mount, who then crossed for, for Lukaku to score. But it was absolutely brilliant by the Brazilian. What a player he is. So there you go. So Silver wins that one. So two out of three for him tonight. Well done. Right, we've got some Discord questions and then we've got lots of emails. So we're going to scoot on. Uh, Kenroy Justin, he's, he's managed to get two questions into uh, this one. But here we go. If the club can't sell tickets for home games, why don't they just allow a certain number of fans in for free? I presume match stewards would be working anyways as the season ticket holders would be in attendance. Well, I think the answer to that is I don't know. Although, obviously, things are moving very quickly, Kenroy, with the news about the FA Cup and the Champions League tickets. Um, but I do think I do think that was, that was also... Well, it was kind of mentioned that they should do it for free, but the government still see that as a transaction, even though there's no money coming in hands. But actually, the point is Chelsea need the revenue from the tickets to actually pay for things like the staff. So it's a it's a massively complicated issue. It really, really is. Sorry I can't be more helpful on that one. And your second question is, could you... I mean, has anybody else got a view on that before I go to the next part of his question? It's something I it's, thought I said initially as well, but then there's probably practical reasons why it can't happen. Mm. With regards to it being a transaction, I thought the whole purpose of this was to yeah. make sure the money didn't go to Abramovich. If it's a free ticket, then there's no money going to well, Abramovich. You, you would have thought, wouldn't you? Well, this is if this is what the intention was, yet they're not... I mean, this nonsense with the semi-final tickets. Just sell it directly through the FA and hold the money. It's not difficult. I don't see why everything has been overcomplicated by unintended consequences of broad brush legislation yeah exactly. some people want to punish us though as the fans which is in which is allegedly not the intention of the government it was to punish roman they've gone way beyond that remit oh indeed indeed but you've still got people who are um who want to blame us for as they've said you know 20 years of uh, of paying for success that is still an argument that some people are well, some people are talking bollocks, and I think yeah, there's an email. And there's an email here that pretty much shoots that yeah, one we'll, down we'll, in flames. We, we will get to that. I'm, I'm just going to read you. I'm going to read you this. This is the third time I've read this on the show, but it's worth repeating again and again and again. A very famous psychoanalyst called Melanie Klein literally wrote the book on envy. Uh, she's got a book called Envy and Gratitude, which is required reading for people like me who have to train to be psychotherapists. This is what she says about envy. See if this uh, sentence 
resonates with anybody, particularly Chelsea supporters. Uh, she defines envy as the angry feeling that another person possesses and enjoys something desirable. The envious impulse being to take it away or to spoil it. Yeah, that's I rest exactly my case. Is, that's yeah. what's going on, people. Anyway, um, talking of which, Kenroy says, could you cover Chelsea Support Trust's involvement in the sale and any talks they've had with prospective buyers? I saw our very own Dan Silver on Sky talking about how the trust had carried out... Excellently, con- by the way. Excellent. Yeah, absolutely. Had carried out constructive talks with potential bidders. Appreciate you might not be able to say too much, but be glad to know more about how they're involved. OK, yeah, you're right. I can't say too much. But yeah, we've had conversations with several of the bidders. They've approached us. And clearly, we wrote an open letter to the bidders saying we want to have dialogue with them. And this this is what we want. And this is what we want has been consistent all the way through. I said it earlier on. Do the bloody the government have to do the thing quickly because the longer they wait, the more trouble we're in. They need to protect uh, the CPO, preferably pay off the eight million quid loan. They need to introduce a golden share, a shadow board. They need to continue the good work with the foundation, the women's team in the academy. And under no condition whatsoever are they to even think about doing another European Super League fiasco or or, or basically, you know, go into new competitions that threaten the the greater good of the game, if you like. That's what we've been clear on. and, and, And that's what we've told any anybody who's come to talk to us. I can't tell you who. Uh, Kenroy, um, but I can tell you that we are. I've seen on Twitter tonight. I think Martin mentioned it earlier on um, that uh, that the uh, Greg Hands has said that uh, the Ricketts family have arranged to come and see the trust and the CPO. Well, I, I'm pretty damn sure that nobody on the trust has arranged anything with them, to my knowledge. So I wouldn't get your knickers in a twist about that. Um, but obviously, look, you know, it's important for the trust and the CPO to meet with anybody who's prospectively buying the club to make sure we get what we want, uh, you know, into their heads as quick as possible and pre- preferably for them to agree that they'll do that and preferably to do that in a legally binding way. So, you know, we, that we would be in, a, in dereliction of our of our duty if uh, if we didn't do that. Um, I have to say that the Ricketts, whole Ricketts thing, as I said earlier on with Brian Wolfe, I mean, it makes me feel very, very uncomfortable. Uh, and I will I will, I will, will be publishing Brian's uh, the podcast with, I did with Brian on My Chelsea later on so you can hear what he has to say because he's very well placed to say that. Uh, right, the last Discord question, Prashanth. Uh, have you guys seen a player at age of 37 play as good as Thiago Silva for Chelsea? Uh, I've never seen him make a mistake since the West Bromwich Albion game two years back. Who wants that one? Uh, it was the other Blancheflower brother. Uh, playing for Arsenal in 1953, who was 39. Magnificent. No, I'm, no, I'm sorry, I'm being immensely ironic here. No, but that's, um, that's brilliant, actually. I had no idea. He did. I think he did actually play as long as that. But then the the idea was that uh, um, if you played centre-half, you weren't necessarily in that era being as mobile because all you were doing was being a stopper. But no, there, there was a... There was a um, uh, he, he was the the uh, the Arsenal centre half, and he played on uh, longer and longer. I think that was an era where you could get away with that, um, just because of the way football was structured and the defence was structured. Um, but no, I, I, in terms of, um, I'm trying to think of any other thirty-seven uh, year olds who've uh, playing in the Premier League. I mean, um, the goalkeepers, yeah, lots of goalkeepers. Um, uh, who was the American goalkeeper? Um, Brad, um, yeah, Cradle. 
Brad Fredo, I assume. Yeah, yeah. He was a he was forty two, wasn't he? When he carried on. Uh, yeah, and Shilton was forty. Yeah. Well, look, he... it was. A, 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 I'm doing hashtag one for teenagers here, but Dino's off. I mean, he was playing well into his forties. Yes, that's it. Jackie Blanche Flowers, the guy's name. That was it. It was Jackie. Um, uh, but no, but they know that that was in an era where let's say completely different um, um thinking of the pressures of the premier league what i find phenomenal about him is his his speed and he must be so tuned up in that he doesn't tear anything when he does when he runs I and mean, obviously he doesn't need to be playing as quickly as the others because his his vision is so good but he when he needs a burst of speed like going back for those goal line clearances he's uh, he's really top banana yeah. um no, he 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 really must look after himself phenomenally. Really, it's it's a, a difficult. Brilliant. I mean, the, the question is specific to Chelsea, and I can't think of many. Oh, to Chelsea, I was. Yeah, I, I can't think of many players that have gone much beyond yeah. mid thirties for Chelsea that you would put in this in the same bracket. So, in that sense, he's a very unique specimen. What I about think Charlie you, Cook? Yeah, I mean, again, but the the conditioning was very different at the time, and. You know, you you could argue the other way actually that 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 Charlie Cook was was better because look at the pitches they had to play on. Yeah, but also I don't I don't think he played very well in his in his well, return. Yeah. What about yeah. Peter Bonetti? Yeah, I mean Z- Zola, yeah, exactly. Zola, yeah, Zola was a good Zola went on for quite some time, didn't he? And and I think you know most of them, even Frank was still with us at about thirty five, thirty six, wasn't he? I think um, before he you know just knew that he 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 could before he went to City. Yeah, and I think you know, I look at. It, I mean, in terms of players from other teams, there's, there's probably the football's probably littered with great players that went on. You know, outfield players, and and I hate to admit it, but you you've got to say that whether or not he's doing any good for them at the moment. But Ronaldo is still one hell of a fucking footballer, and he's 37. Indeed, he is. You know? right. Okay, uh, brilliant. Well done, Discord people. Keep it going. I like having a few questions in here of a Monday evening now. We've got loads of emails, so we're going to scoot through these. Uh, the first one, JK, is from uh, the lovely Trey Bertelson, who is known as Bert Cubed, I think, on Mixler. So we all know him very well. I haven't seen him in tonight, actually, I don't think. But uh, I know he's a regular in Mixler. Trey Bertelson. Sorry, it, it wasn't Jackie Blanchflower. It was another Blanchflower. I'll get round to it. Jackie Blanchflower played for United. I've got really confused. Not Danny. Uh, no, no, no. It was Danny's brother. Right. Jackie Blanchflower wasn't his brother. Um uh, I'll, I'll get it. I'll get it later. Um, here we go. Um, dear Chidge, JK, and esteemed guests of the fan cars, this is Martin and Tony. As a kid growing up in the American South, football or soccer on my side of the pond was always viewed as an inferior and sometimes sissy sport. I was a multi-sport athlete throughout my youth and and adolescence, but never dipped a toe in footy, as it were. Once I graduated from college in 2006, I was at home with little to do and stumbled upon the World Cup that summer. I was immediately enthralled by the skill and flair of such players as Ronaldinho, Zidane and Kaka. I found myself wondering, How did I ignore this tremendous game for so long and set out to discover a team to follow? Since the American sentiment at the time and still today was that the Premier League was the best domestic competition, I decided on an English club. After reading the histories and bios of some other teams, including Arsenal, yuck, I tuned into the 2006 MLS MLS All-Star Game with the best players of Major League Soccer going up against this team called Chelsea FC. 
I watched the game, was subsequently hooked on this team of players. Reading the bios of players like Terry, Lampard, Cole, Essien, Drogba, etc., I knew I had made the right decision. Fast forward 15 years and seven months and here we are. I never gave much thought to the role of Roman Abramovich at the club, his potential shady past, or how that would come to shake the club to its foundation 19 years after he saved it from veritable extinction. I trusted the Premier League did its due diligence, awarded the club to him based upon their thorough review, that they would now reverse their decision and deride the club based on the ongoing invasion of Ukraine, while ignoring other teams less than owners, scrupulous owners, is wild to me, but ultimately I feel the time is right for the club to pass on to new ownership. I did not, however, write this email to discuss foreign policy, so allow me to return to my train of thought. American sports media, like most all media, has become a show centred around hot takes and arguing for the sake of argument. I've listened to many football podcasts over here, find the reaction to losses or poor play is just too extreme. Um, CHO must play right wing or Tuchel has no idea what he's doing. And other clickbait nonsense is just too much to take at times. While I was admittedly late to the fancast, I'm so thankful to have found you all. While it's okay to have strong reactions to a performance, the way you all speak about the club with such a calm presence and level head makes it much easier to process what is happening and gain an appreciation for the nuances of the game. Clearly, the, the ongoing situation over sanctions has been handled with the same grace. Besides that, you're all hilarious. <laughs> and I find myself delirious in laughter. Often, <laughs> your pod has also been the catalyst for my joining the Supporters Trust and investing as a pitch owner. Bravo, bravo. Um, many of us U US-based fans have only known Chelsea in this period of dominance, and I think that shapes expectations. Clearly, you've all been there for the best of times and quite literally the worst. Oh, yeah. And I do think whatever happens with the club, true blues will be closer for having experienced it together. I love Chelsea Football Club. I've met lifelong friends through support of this wonderful club. We can think of no greater honour than to meet up with you all in the cock soon for a pint. I speak for them when, when I say thank you all so much for this terrific podcast. Take care and keep the blue flag flying high. Trey Bertelson, a.k.a. Bert Cubed. Oh, I feel a little bit, bit of a flutter of emotion. I feel there. a bit of mosh, mate. I've got to yeah. be honest. Yeah, I've got a bit teary. Just yeah. oh. Bert, Bert is in the house. He has announced himself. Oh. He says, I'm here. So he's in mix. Oh, that's Bert. That's, that was really lovely. I love that. Isn't yeah, it just? What a lovely sentiment, Bert. That's really, uh, that's yeah. honestly, we're, we're not, you know, syruping this up or anything, but uh, it, we're, we're, I love it when people say things like that. It kind of makes it worthwhile what we do. So thank you for thanking us. Uh, right. We've got Philip Kenley now, your, your mate, Tony. He doesn't remember him, does he? He's not having a dig at you tonight anyway, that's for sure. Uh, hi, all. Uh, I like the rest of you. And, and I, I do actually generally love Philip's emails because he does talk a lot of sense. And this is no right. exception, by the way. He says, hi, all. I like the rest of you. I'm pissing mad at the moment. And I have just worked out why. The thing is, I don't even think that you all on the pod have made enough of the huge elephant in the room that nobody is really talking about. You see, I thought I was just mad because of the existential risk to my club. Well, OK, that's part of it. But there was something else and I've just figured it out. So, you know what? Maybe Roman is as bad a person as could be right now. Maybe all that great work in our community, etc., etc., was all part of some well-thought-out charm offensive to ingratiate him with us 
fans and the wider community. Maybe he is right behind Putin and his plans to dominate the region. Maybe all this is true. But, as discussed many times, the only people being hurt by the actions against Chelsea are really the fans and the community. However, the truth is that there is only one organisation that is culpable for Roman being in charge, and that's the Premier League, as it is they that sanctioned his purchase of the club. The fans could not have stopped this, but the Premier League could. They are responsible. Why are they not admitting this? Why are they not taking any responsibility? They are to blame. Of course, I wouldn't expect them to own up or share any responsibility, but why is no one going after them in any way, shape or form? I have not even seen The Athletic talk about this. Should we not be asking the question and getting this point out there? I don't care about you, you reading this email out, but I would love to hear you discuss it on Friday. Well, we're a bit late, uh, Phil, but uh, we, we discuss it, we are. Uh, mm. I, I have to say, uh, Martin... I think that's an excellent point by Philip. Nobody is calling out the Premier League. I mean, everybody's saying it's all our fault for allowing... Apparently, we chose Rome and allowed him to buy the club in 2003, and therefore it's all our fault for which we should suffer un- un- enduring punishment and shame. Surely, the, 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 the Premier... He's right. The Premier League and their ridiculous, unworkable, fit and proper owner tests are responsible, aren't they? Well, yeah. I've, I've, there's a lot of bodies responsible Um before it comes to us on this and you know the fit and proper person's test has been proven to be not worth a wank it's not just us there was the stuff with um taxing shinawatra at man city that was even before shake mansoor took over um they waved that through they waved through the saudi arabia pi public investment fund for newcastle their fit and proper person test or whatever they call it their owners and directors test doesn't hold water and it's been flagged up numerous times. I think we've almost become so used to them being shit at these things that no one's thought, hang on a minute, the Premier League could have blocked this and they didn't. But they, they were as enthralled to the money as anyone else. And I think in some cases, you know, a Russian owner coming in with loads of money, everyone loved it in 2003. Mm. They say they didn't. They say they were sceptical now. Bollocks. We, I remember the headlines. I remember the, you know, the back page has been full of all these players Chelsea could buy and all this stuff. And, you know, they were they were piping it up as much as anyone else. And the Premier League, their due diligence was a five, a 10 minute check. No yeah. more than that. And, um, and uh, I... I think they would admit they have, they did get it wrong. But then again, if you couldn't prove anything, you can't stop it. There's a whole, you know, thing, and, and I, I don't remember why Philip Kenley had a dig at me. I, I don't hold any grudges. I think he's right. It is an elephant in the room because there, there is a degree of of, yeah, of of within a lot of Chelsea fans are saying you're just picking a Roman. There's no proof or whatever, but you know, apparently there is proof and all this sort of stuff. But 2000, uh, when we were bought 2003. Was a very different time. It was it was immediately post uh, the Gorbachev Yeltsin years, which had liberated Russia in the eyes of the world and taken them out of, you know, the Iron Curtain had fallen. And I think, you know, the, the Premier League would have been as probably guilty as anybody else of, of perhaps having some, you know, kind of rose tinted glasses on about the whole, you know, Russian uh, kind of opening themselves up to the world and, and wanting to be friendly and all this sort of stuff. And I think, you know, you. 
that if you if you go from 2003 right up to the present time, then pre-2003 for all clubs, there have been some right dodgy bastard owners, you know. Uh, and it's not just Premier League. I think if you look at the Football League, I mean, you know, the Football League sanctioned the takeover of Portsmouth Football Club by the only Arab in the world that's got no money, you know, <laughs> and he nearly put them out of existence. I think it, it, it's a... Okay, it, you could put it down as a systemic fault, and I think at the time, with the the way the game was changing, with the way the Premiership at the Premier League and television money was transforming the game, I, I think there was just it was rose tinted glasses. I, I, can you hold them to account? It's a bit like holding governments to account, isn't it? You know, there's a, a massive degree of uh, you know plausible deniability with all these kind of organisations where they'll just sort of do a Alan Partridge shrug. And you know that's that. Um, as much as I'd like to see them came, and I, I am, I say, I say this. I am an absolute hater. I detest virtually every sporting authority in the world because I think they're just jumped up, blazer wearing wankers. But uh, I, yeah, I'm not sure. You know, I, I bring it up, mention it, point the finger if you like. But uh, you know, and, and there are plenty of clubs. Luton Town have got a massive, massive uh, reason to hate. The, the football league, for example, and the way they were treated. Um, so, um, you know, I, I'm afraid, Philip, it's 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 the life, it's life, and that's the way it is. Not much we're going to do about it, and no one's ever going to admit in the Premier League that they got it wrong no, ever. Exactly, but uh, we can, but try. Uh, I've got a lovely JK. Uh, and I was just about to to agree. It was the the, the lure of the cash was was above all what that was about they, they, they're going to accept that they're not looking at any historical aspect no, about it exactly that. that exactly that right i've got one from james chakrala here this is hi chidge uh i've been meaning to write uh to you for weeks apologies for the belated of the belatedness of this email i was so sorry to hear you lost your father i'm sure it's been a very difficult time for you and your family thank you for keeping up with the grueling fancast schedule in the midst of everything my sincerest condolences and may your father's memory be a blessing to you. No football talk this time, but I'll write again soon. Thank you for all you do. James Chakrala, New York City. That's very lovely of you, James. Uh, I, I really appreciate those sentiments. Uh, the funeral was on Friday, as many of you will know, uh, and it went very well, or as well as these things can be expected. And uh, we saw my old man off good and proper in the style to which he would have welcomed and we 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 drank a lot and we had a lot of laughs too and he would have liked that in fact we kept on saying he'd have loved to have been here actually you know so there you go so thank you for the uh anybody who's met him will will know, know how true that is but uh thanks james i really appreciate that uh right jay whitcraft jk um what about um alan days mayor? Oh, oh yeah sorry mate oh, i've read them all in the wrong order haven't i yeah. Oh shit! Sorry, mate. My fault. Yeah, Alan Day. You're gonna to have to have Alan two Day. on the bounce now. Yeah, I'm happy to do that. Can I just say by the way, it wasn't Jackie Blancheflower I was talking about, even though he was a halfback for United. It was Leslie Compton, who was Dennis Compton's brother. Who did that film? Oh. Yes, he did. The yes. Arsenal missed yeah. the the Arsenal Indeed, Stadium mystery. In that. And he he played um, in the cup semi final against Chelsea in 1950. When he bit, when he scored a header in the last minute, and it made to make it two-two, and they beat us one-nil in the replay, and then they beat Liverpool one-nil in the final. Um, that was a period where we just kept getting into semi-finals all the time and losing. And um, uh, and he played for England, aged thirty-eight, 
uh, uh, had two caps and was the oldest player ever to play for England. And it was Leslie Compton. So uh, he must have kept going, but he played centre-half and he was um, Dennis Compton, the great cricketer, um, his brother. And they both, in fact, Dennis Compton provided the corner for Leslie Compton to score the header against Chelsea. Um, but anyway, I was uh, I was 26 at the time and I was present, of course. Um, Alan Day. Hi, Chidge. Hope you're feeling a bit better now. The rest of the team are in good health and spirits. Thank you. Wanted to ask everyone's views. How you think Bruce Buck, Bruck Bruck, as you've called it. How do you think Bruck Bruck Buck? Yeah, Bruck Buck. Bruck Buck. Bruck Buck 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 Mountain. Broke Buck. Although we can't talk about that, can we? We're allowed to. Broke Buck. Broke back. You're not allowed to. Nobody's come out at the club, have they? I'm not um, saying that at all. It's not my inference at all. I just thought it was quite, you know, funny. No, I, I wasn't. I, no, I was just being, I was taking it a step further. I wasn't, I wasn't implicating anything, Chidge, about anything you said at all. And I'd like to um, uh, officially redress, retract that statement. Retract everything exactly. For legal reasons. Everybody has said for legal reasons. And I'll start again. Just wanted to ask everyone's views as to how you think Brack Brack and Marina have performed since the sanctions were put in place. I know you guys have often praised both parties over the years, but personally, I've had many doubts. Perhaps you know some things we don't as to what they've been doing. Their lack of interaction with both the staff and fans has been pretty poor, to say the least, and speaks volumes to me. I accept that sometimes it's best to remain quiet to avoid further poison being directed directed towards us by both the media and government. But things have, in my opinion, been quite unacceptable. But then we get this quite ridiculous request to play the game behind closed doors, leading to further anger being directed towards us and embarrassment amongst fans. It's a very true point, actually. Yeah, I wonder who came up with that. I spoke to some of the catering staff at the game on Sunday who told me they didn't have a clue what was going on or if they'd be working again. They hadn't heard anything. Surely performing the role of chairman requires you to apprise all staff and fans on a regular basis even if you have no news. But instead, this has been left to a truly remarkable Thomas Tuchel and Petr Cech. TT has performed the roles of chairman, CEO, team manager, coach driver and kit washer quite impeccably. How lucky we are to have this man at the club, the best Chelsea manager since the late, great John Neal, possibly our best ever. I'd also like to thank the supporters, trust, CPOs, all other parties that have worked tirelessly. Your efforts are really appreciated. Let's hope this dreadful war is ended. Ukrainians can go back to a peaceful life. Those responsible get punished appropriately and we get our football club back. Look forward to seeing you in the cock soon, Chidge. JK, keep making me laugh. You've been on fire recently. Oh, well, that's come to an end, hasn't it? Alan Day. Brilliant. Lovely, Alan, lovely. Um, uh, I think it's a very good point, isn't it, actually? But I, isn't there a, a, um, a, a code of silence almost with the club, which uh, 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 Roman doesn't say anything or didn't say anything, and uh, similarly, Buck never says anything. So uh, Marina never does. And Marina, Marina never does. Yeah. Publicly, so yeah. And yeah, I've never heard her speak publicly at no, all. No, 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 I've, no, I've no, seen no. her holding a shirt up, hasn't she, with a mm. and somebody signed. I've seen that. But um, I, I, I think that what the club misses in this sense. Um, it, but in some ways, what they've done has been has been good because um, when Roman took over, he employed one of his first actions was to go and get Peter Kenyon, who was a very, very, very good CEO, very good communicator, and would have been taking all of this in his stride. I'm pretty sure of that. You then had the, I think, the disastrous Ron Gourlay, who I just think was just, you know, the wrong person. 
you've now got Guy Lawrence in charge, and Guy Lawrence has been very given a very clear remit. He's not the chairman, though, Tony. No, he isn't the chairman, but he's been given the clear remit to look after the business side of things, to not be that yeah, kind so of... Yeah, he'll, so he'll have nothing to do with talking exactly. to the fans but, well, or the staff. Yeah, but even when Peter Kenyon was there, when Bruce Buck was there, and it was still Peter Kenyon that would come out and speak. You know, he was the chairman. Peter Kenyon was the CEO. Who was the chairman then? Bruce. Bruce Buck. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. Right. You know, the, the chairs of, of, of all organisations are supposed to be... But, well, I think you're right. I think if you'd had a CEO that was still in that kind of football operations role as well as um, the, the business side of it, like Kenyon was, you would have... he That would be the spokesperson. In this particular case, it should be Bruce Buck because the next yeah. most vocal person or the person we've heard from you know, anything to do with the club is usually Bruce Buck. Marina has never spoken publicly. We know Roman Abramovich has never done it. Uh, and it seems to have come, you know, at the end, I, I don't know how long is it, end, well, I know Martin, you know, still works, but you've worked for an organisation, in your contract of these are your duties, at the bottom it will usually have a statement that says, and any other duties that seem fit, you know, for us to tell you to do. And I think Petr Cech's picked that one up. Yeah, it seems that way, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I mean, the, he's the, the, very good. He is very, very good. At, you know, it, he's a very intelligent man. So I think, you know, it's, it's not doing a bad thing. But should it come from higher up in, 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 the, in the club? Yes, I think it should. Well, considering the fucking disaster that was that statement about playing the game behind closed yeah. doors, I think, I think maybe we would be better off without them talking, but it puts unnecessary pressure on Tuchel and Czech to speak out in their absence. Um, yeah, I mean... You, you could say Buck should speak more, but then there's a very valid case that he should never speak again as well. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> what, I mean, is, what, is, what is one to do? I mean, he just looks like Larry David and gives out crisps as well, far I, as I'm I concerned. Think, I think, I think that was, you know, he clearly had a, a, a brave and cunning plan with that one, but it didn't half backfire. I mean, it backfired because the, the trust put a bit of pressure on there. Actually, if the truth were to be told, I mean, I, I've met Bruce and worked with him. You know, in my role as the trust. For many years, and I've I've always found him to be, you know, pretty charming, funny, very amenable guy. Actually, I don't agree with everything he's done. Clearly, um, Marina, as you said, I think she's a very effective operator, and I think that's widely recognised within the the game. I don't know her; I've never met her, and as 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 we were saying, she keeps stum. I I mean, look, there may be many reasons that we don't know as to why they've you know taken on this amerta through the whole affair. Um, I think that that's put a very unfair focus and spotlight on Tuchel, who's got enough on his plate already. Um, and I think that we don't know, for example, whether whether Bruce Buck and the and the board have been, you know, interacting directly with the staff or not. To be honest, I would hope they were. If I was the chairman of a PLC, I certainly would be doing everything I could to allay the fears of any staff. But I do think that it's been very unfortunate that we we haven't had somebody from the management of the club, not the, the non-footballing side, being front and centre with the media and being available to answer questions, allay fears and be a bit of a lightning rod for what's going on. And I think I, I, it's not the way I would have done it, but I'm not there, so we can't really know. But it's a very valid point, Alan. And always lovely to hear from you too, by the way. And I, I, haven't, I haven't, haven't had the opportunity to wave at you from my seat in Gate 17 for far too long. Um, he sits kind of behind... Uh, somewhere in the same region as Johnny Dyer and Clayton Beerman. Oh right, okay. yeah, he's, yeah, he's yeah. in that bit of the stadium. So just just round the corner from you, Tony. So there you go. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, sorry, J.K. You've got the next one too because I kind of got it all out of order. Jay Whitcraft, take two. 
Can I just thank Alan for his nice compliment? Mm. I was I belittled it slightly by saying that it had all ended. But yeah, but thank you so much. They're really nice of you. I appreciate it. Um uh uh, uh Jay Whitcraft. Uh, hi everyone. Gonna skip the chummy intro, get right to it. I can't fucking believe we're seriously entertaining a bid from Saudi Media Group, the largest media organization of a country who literally whips homosexuals to death, chops up journalists, hangs political dissidents, oh, and practically enslaves its entire female population. Seriously, what the fuck are we doing? The point of having gone through all of this was to learn from our mistakes to see that in hindsight, perhaps turning a blind eye to how a Russian billionaire oligarch made his money in the get rich quick, drain the nation's wealth into the pockets of a few post-Soviet period perhaps wasn't such a brilliant idea. And to go from that to now turning a blind eye to again the largest media organization within a fanatical theocratic monarchy, are we this hypocritical or just that daft? How the fuck do we think Saudi media group attained and maintained such power and influence again in a theocratic fucking monarchy? And not just the largest in Saudi Arabia, the entire Middle East saying no direct links to the Saudi government. It's like saying Roman has never smelt Putin's fart. Never smelt Putin fart. Sorry, that's much better like that. Yeah. Even Roman, Ro Roman? Even Roman was only sanctioned on a may have and possibly over links with steel supplied to Russian tanks. But no one seriously believes he isn't guilty of playing a part in the oligarchical system that has propped up this second coming of Hitler and his bombing of his own cities, those of Chechnya and now Ukraine. Have we ever seen any reporting by any of the outlets of Saudi media group publicly criticizing the Saudi government's barbaric record of human rights abuses or war crimes? Of course not. How convenient. Now they're incredibly wealthy and powerful. How convenient. And now they have all this money to spend on our club to further sports wash there and the Saudi government's reputations. How convenient. And if, it's if that's not obvious enough, just remember they execute journalists who disagree. Therefore, they control them. So if you think the life-size troll doll that is Boris Johnson, I'd like to say that again, if you think the life-size troll doll that is Boris Johnson approving the Saudi group's bid means anything, first just remember that said government also had no issue with Roman taking over in 2003, nor the billions of Russian money funneled through London's financial institutions, real estate, or political donations since. Also remember that the UK and US need Saudi oil now more than ever. Also remember, they need their strategic alliance since things have only got worse with Iran. What I'm saying is they're fucking politicians. You can't rely on them to tell you if they have ever inhaled a joint or if a letter that ruined Muslim communities in Birmingham and sparked a counter-terrorism overhaul in Britain was even real or not. And for all those knobs saying, I don't care where the money comes from, keep politics out of football, why the fuck do you think we're in this situation in the first place? We're putting all of this shit into football because of the owners, most of you idiots on Twitter, are now celebrating that want to take us over. Sorry for my vulgarity and tone, but I've watched this bidding process disintegrate over the past week and I can't take it anymore. I can't stand by and watch the club I've supported since I was 14, the one I've permanently inked on my body. Wow. Go from champions of the footballing world to being its whipping boy to becoming accessory to some of the worst human rights abuses on the planet. If we're going to have this moral reckoning, then fuck me, let's have it. Let's do fucking better and allowing, let alone Christ, celebrating shit like this is not doing fucking better. Jay, Chelsea fan to 2000, from 2004 to 2022, question mark.
have to say, I agree completely with everything that he has said. Fantastic. Absolutely. And I I hope, I hope that that is what is being discussed at board level and this, the awfulness of this. They cannot swap one regime for another regime like this. They cannot possibly do it. I think my only quibble with the entire email, which I think is marvellous, and I'm seriously probably going to cut, paste it, put it in my phone, so that next time I'm down the pub and I get some gobshite going at me, I will quote it and plagiarise it as if it's my own. But I can't believe we're seriously entertaining a bid from Saudi media. We, we don't know that we are. You have to accept bids. You, you can't just say, fuck off, we don't want you. Um, they have to accept the bids. They have to accept the valid bids, the bids with the money, um, and before they whittle down it. And no doubt, no doubt, one of the criteria that they will be looking at is the links to government, to the organisations, to the, you know, to to all of the stuff that that, uh, that Jay's mentioned there um, around human rights abuses and, and that sort of stuff. Which is why I'm so intrigued by the bids that seem to be backed up by South Korean money, um, because. You know that as, as you know, there's probably as clean a money as you're ever going to get. Um, uh, but I, I don't think, I don't think we're in a position. I don't think we were canvassing for a bid from the Saudi media group. I think you have to accept it, and then you look at it. I don't think we're entertaining it, and I don't think Rain Group will entertain it either. I think they just have to accept it and let it go through the due process. But what if there's somebody in the government who wants, from a political reason, wants the Saudis to get the get the uh, the gig, get the job? Get uh, the look, I think this government is the most incompetent bunch of yeah, but, liars and frauds going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm not sure that in the current atmosphere, even they would be that stupid as to do such a thing in plain sight with the amount of um, focus that's on them from every single, even some of their own uh, media shields are, are starting to question the lies in plain sight, etc. And I don't want to go into the politics stuff because me and Chidge would, to- I'm sure Chidge is totally agreeing with me about what I've just said. But I just think you you accept it, you go away, you reject it after it's been through due process. Well, let, let's hope let's hope they do because. Yeah. Sorry, Martin, you wanted to come in. Come in. Yeah, I mean, there's one thing. I mean, he. It said, like, what are we doing? What are we? So I think the we in this, I'm assuming, yes. are the Twitter accounts that have Saudi flags in their profile yeah. and respond to tweets from the Supporters Trust and the likes of Simon Johnson and Matt Law saying, we want the Saudis and yes. all this bollocks. Basically, yeah. because their only interest is in doing a real-life version of FIFA's Ultimate Team where they sign Haaland and fucking Mbappe and all this stuff. Yeah. And the realities of human rights aren't sat in their factory i can certainly tell you um jay as i don't want saudi money anywhere near chelsea football club um, i would demonstrate i would demonstrate i'd be happy I, to the, t- the two that i don't want it anywhere near um there's the everything you've just highlighted and the other thing is all it takes is one role of the geopolitical snow globe all of a sudden the Saudis are the bad guys and they get and then we're getting sanctioned again. Yeah. So it's just if like you say, a clean break, completely agree. That's what we want. That's what all of football should have. There is no way the Saudi Arabian POF bit should have gone through at Newcastle, but it did. And the argument from some of these people is that therefore you can't complain about Chelsea and the Saudi media group. Well you can because I don't want them anywhere near Chelsea. Now that means possibly accepting a bid from 
American sports franchise owners that may be leveraging the club, but whether we like it or not, the money is a lot cleaner, although ethically a bit dubious. Yeah, we need a we need a clean, fresh start, and uh, I agree with all of you. It's a brilliant email, Jay. I don't care how yeah. ranty it was. Uh, I I agree entirely, and uh, I mean well, I, don't, I don't I don't like I don't like any of the bids. To be honest, I really don't like any of them. Uh, but I, I I would certainly take massive umbrage to uh, cleanest one appears to, to the be Saudis. The cleanest one appears to be Martin Broughton, but he doesn't. Pro- I don't know where he is. Well, look, the, whether he's got the money, <laughs> it'll be clean, I suspect. But I mean, I think as you said, Martin, every single bidder is going to be is going to be. They're all investment uh, investment vehicles, basically asset managers fund managers hedge funds they're all they're all in it because they're the only people who can put this kind of money together and what worries me is that there's only one reason why people invest in anything is to get a return on it course, and that means course, that yeah. means profit and also i worry about how leverage will be as a result qed the uh the the, the glazers up at united it's we're in a real shit storm here people but if we had the saudi money as well we'd be in an even bigger one and actually martin broughton made that point in his uh, he was in, in the all over the press on Saturday, and he said the thing about having a consortium yeah. is that you don't have one individual uh, yeah. who is who might be subject to political yeah. issues going forward, and the club, exactly. be, as we've seen, the club could be vulnerable to that again. And he wanted yeah. he wanted to avoid that, and that's a good point. Right, it, moving on. That words were not beholden to one individual, and I, my only point on this is that you, whatever people think about the bids, you you cannot let the perfect be the enemy of the good. You just can't do it and you're not going to get a choice in it anyway. So if we get a bid and it's good and it's not perfect, so be it. Yeah. Jeff Jones. Uh, good evening. I wrote this on March the 10th. That would be our birth. Oh, I know when that was. That's when we got sanctioned, wasn't it, Jeff? Uh, I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna send it in because uh, it's long and overdramatic. After listening to the recent fan car shows, I thought I'd go ahead and send it. I understand if it's too long to read out on air. I just wanted to share it with someone who understands what's going on. Yours truly, Jeff J. Don't worry, Jeff. We're going to do a four-hour fucking show tonight. It's no problem at all. Uh, the ass, the assa- the ass, the assassination of Chelsea FC. Let me start by saying that what follows will be labelled as controversial. Labelled controversial by anyone who happens to read or hear it. Politicians, media, those who live for political correctness, those who want to appear to live for political correctness, and those who fear the retribution of the aforementioned. I'm writing this because the, the latter might, might just agree with some of the sentiments that follow. I'll break this down into three parts. Part one, in defence of Roman. There is no one that could support Putin's invasion of Ukraine. On this, every sound person can agree. I've heard that that sentiment echoed and echoed and echoed and echoed and echoed. What can the Western world do about it? Pledge money to the victims? Yes. Levy the harshest economic sanctions in history? Yes. Stop importing Russian oil and natural gas? Maybe. Maybe. My country has done that, but I I get that uh, uh, may not be possible for my brothers in the old world. The economic costs would be too high and the resulting political costs equally high. So what do we do about the atrocities in Ukraine? We're not putting troops on the ground. That will inevitably lead to a nuclear conflict. And Putin is a madman. He's capable of escalating it to that level. Labour has the answer. Target Russians. I don't think there's a sane person that denies that oligarchs made their fortunes in the post-Soviet era. Of course, Roman took advantage of the governmental and economic turmoil that transpired. Of course, he knew and knows Putin. He had to play the game in order to make his billions. That was 30 years ago. I'll defer to Rangnick's comments. 
Who could have foreseen the last three or four weeks? Certainly not Roman. The Labour Party seems to think uh, that Putin phoned Roman asking for approval of the Ukraine invasion. Of course, that didn't happen. The government also seems to think that Roman can merely phone Putin and tell him to pull back. That is also not the case. The sanctioning of Roman is nothing more than political virtue signalling. It's incredible to me that so many smart people have fallen for the trick. The fact is that there is no real gain in sanctioning Roman. There is a net loss, however. The proceeds from the sale would and still will go to charities helping the victims of the war. The only thing the UK government sanctions have accomplished is ensuring that the sale price is lower than what could have been paid. Every pound less paid for the club is a pound less for the victims. Uh, part two, governmental, governmental incompetence. Ignore part one and think that the sanctions against Abramovich are fair and right. A football club is not a yacht, nor a mansion, nor a penthouse. It's not a piece of property that can be uh, frozen. It's an organisation, a living thing that, as the UK government said, is a cultural asset. Really? My question to my local MP would be these. Who did you consult before taking this action? Who from the Premier League or the FA did you talk to? What about UEFA? Did you consult with them? If they did, what questions did they ask? What's the cash-in-hand cash situation at Chelsea? How much does putting on a Premier League match usually run? What about away matches? How much does that cost? I see you favoured to go through the quarter, you're favoured to go through the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Could that away fixture cost more than an away domestic fixture? They obviously didn't ask these questions, and if they did, it wasn't asked to the right people. This special licence is ridiculously stringent. Cultural asset my ass. The lack of due diligence is astounding to me. Chelsea FC, a club which, unlike any other club in England, kept paying their matchday staff after league play was stopped due to Covid, is now furloughing said staff. The irony is beyond words. The financial ripple goes beyond those directly employed by Chelsea. Local establishments that rely on matchday revenue will be hurt. So who are these sanctions actually hurting? In short, it's UK citizens, not some oligarch who has lost money from day one since owning Chelsea. These are just some, if not the most pertinent, of the financial facts of the blind foray into football ownership the government has decided to undertake. Godspeed to our negotiations and God help the government employees tasked with sorting it all out. Part 3. The assassination... I'm having real trouble with assassination. I don't know why. The assassination attempt. How Putin-y is this? An, ex an extra extrajudicial, politician-led, government-sanctioned and socially-cheered assassination. Not of a person, but of people. The quickness of politicians, pundits and Twitter users to jump on this is astounding. Outright, outright glee from fans of rival clubs could be excused as schadenfreude. But the thinly veiled glee of certain football pundits is a disgrace. The painting of Chelsea and all of its supporters with the same brush is a disgrace. I don't condone and was embarrassed at the Roman chance during the minute of support for Ukraine. I am not, however, embarrassed about the Roman chance during our match against Norwich. As I've stated above, I think the sanctions are unfair. But I'm not representative of Chelsea supporters. I'm merely one voice, one opinion. I title this the assassination of Chelsea FC because that is what is happening. A cancelling an assassination attempt. There is a problem with cancel culture in today's society. My club hasn't suffered a real assassination attempt, but rather a social one. Uh, that attempt will hopefully fail. While three chickened out, Trivago stood up. I know I'm not the only one who feels this way. I'm not sure where the phrase I'm just saying originated from, but I know the full phrase is everybody's thinking it, I'm just saying it. I'd like everyone who is thinking it to just say it. That's it.
there's a touch of the barrister about something. Hard like hitting. That, Hard that hitting, is, Jeff. Yeah. That, um, is, that is a tour de force, if ever I've seen one. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, try and go through these parts. I mean, the governmental incompetence one, I've been talking about it. They simply didn't consider the ramifications and day-to-day operations of a football club and just slapped a sanction notice on it and then went, oh, shit, we all know people who have lost jobs, lost work as a result of these sanctions. It's it's ridiculous. And none of it, like I've said, none of it's going to stop Vladimir Putin. So what was the point of it? You've well, just... It, it, it appeals to the red wall. It appeals to the red wall. Lots of this stuff doing this. It's a southern club, and it's and it's um, okay. jealousy once again. Chidge. It appeals to that. That's that's one of the reasons for doing I, that immediately. They've been I, making a statement because they know people will then be will will approve of that mm. in those areas. It's a vote I'm, catcher. I'm not even sure they gave it that much thought. To be no. honest with you, they've just so gone they in two footed and. Yeah, they used a sledgehammer to crack a nut. That's yeah. that's that's the way I see it. They they didn't, and and, and the, when it first happened, the sanctioning, they you know it, there was a tacit admission that they'd never done this before, and and that's why those they were almost arbitrary figures. There's certainly not going to be anyone in the civil service who's 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 come up with the, dreamt up these sanctions who's going to come out and say, well, yeah, I know the inner workings of football clubs, and and some of the points in there are very good, and and they are very good. Um, we. I think from the point of view of is Roman guilty, I think in any situation like this, they're always going to err on the side of, of caution and say yes, because the, 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 the if you like, the, uh, the whiplash that they will get if it's turned out later on that he's proven to have these links or whatever, and they did nothing, would be far worse than the way they're doing this. The, the governmental incompetence is, is summed up perfectly by, you know, the... We all know that Roman was sanctioned because he's possibly, not possibly, he is the single most visible Russian oligarch uh, worldwide, I would say. You know, he's he bought the brand, he bought the club, he's, he bought it you know, for whatever reasons. And it's his profile, even if, if he bought it to try and hide his profile and, and, and look legitimate, he's completely misjudged that because it's lifted his profile. And then you have Evgeny Lebedev sat there in the House of Lords, Lord of Siberia, um, uh, owner of two major uh, newspapers in the country, the Independent and the Evening Standard, um, not being sanctioned, nothing's happened. So you do have to ask the question around governmental incompetence and the role of politics in general in this. Uh, that is a fabulous email. I'm not sure I dis- I, I'd have to read it again to see whether I agree with it. Uh, an assassination, you know, I, I, I think it's just, I think it's cumbersome. And it's sledgehammer nut territory rather than than the assassination. We're, we're basically collateral damage in all yeah. Of this. Yeah, and that's, even, that's a better description. And un- uh, until the sale process, there's a bit more light on it and where it's going. We're going to be in this situation. What doesn't help is um, people writing headlines on newspapers saying Chelsea could go bust in ten days, and then you read the story and it's like eight different things that have to happen before that can. Yeah. You know, there was one on Sunday basically saying it, Chelsea could go into administration only if Roman vetoes the sale, which we've had no indication he's planning to do. So it's just, some of it is just crap to sell papers. And that, in, that includes some of the um, 
Chancers and Walter Mitty characters that are apparently interested in buying the club. Some supporters have been, uh, of opposition fans, have been calculating, uh, particularly Arsenal and Tottenham, have been calculating um, if we lost the nine points due to administration, um, whether they would then become third and fourth. Let's be honest, we did exactly the same thing when Manchester City got in trouble for the... Um the UEFA thing and there was a possibility fifth place could get Champions League so we've, we've yeah, all we've yeah. all done it, done it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, every every one of my friends who support other clubs so you know that's a, one of my mates down in France Spurs fan um, another one that I know from France Eamon he's a, a Man United season ticket holder not one of them has sent me a message Saying, hope you go under. Hope you, you know. Hope we see the back of you again. There's a, a guy I follow on Twitter, uh, and we, you know, he's, he said we, we have to keep our relationship a secret because he's a Leeds United fan, but he's a Leeds United fan from the old school. Like I'm a Chelsea fan from the old school in 1970, and he even he's said the same thing. Nobody wants no no right minded football fan wants to see us go under. The, what you're getting is the noise of the keyboard warriors, the fucking idiots, the FIFA. Uh, PlayStation generation who think this is all just a bit of a laugh. They have no experience of the unemployment, the, the hardship, or the good stuff in the community that football clubs do. They, they, they are soulless supporters. They are hangers-on, if you like, and 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 that's the sort of stuff that the mail will pick up as a, you know Twitter people go mad over this or that or whatever. Um, and I, I genuinely think genuine football fans from other clubs do not want to see us or any other club go out of business, go to administration or whatever. They might gloat over the fact that we, we may not be a force that we were in the past. And if that is our heyday, then fine, we've had 20 great years of a heyday. But I don't think anybody wants to see it go to the serious lengths that, that have been suggested as an assassination or, or, or whatever. Marvelous. Agree with all Jeez, of that. I heard a word out of you on this one. Well, you, you were doing. You were all doing so brilliantly. I didn't. I could get got the chance to rest my vocal cords, but I, <laughs> I agree with everything you said. Right, J- write this time and date down. J.K. No answer. Famous CFC. Famous. Famous last words from the famous CFC. Steve, his name is, isn't it? Yeah. Dear Chidge, dear Chidge, and fellow world champions. Oh, yes. You go far with that sort of intro. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, champions of the world. I'd like to comment on an aspect of the recent government action I haven't heard mentioned yet. While the club's troubles pale in comparison to the horrible human suffering right now in Ukraine, I think this is also a valid concern. Let's assume that the correct course of action in response to the Ukrainian war includes seizing assets from the appropriate people. Then maybe the asset values could go towards rebuilding Ukraine after the war had ended. One of the assets might be a mansion in London. Then the government officials break all the windows and set the kitchen on fire. This doesn't make much sense, but might be explained as a way of getting back at the oligarch, even though for all practical purposes, the mansion is not theirs anymore. Now, the government has significantly diminished the value of the seized asset. You've already talked about how the situation at Chelsea has hurt many innocent people, including employees and fans. But the government's actions are also affecting the value that they can extract from the sale of the club. They should be selling as many tickets and shirts as they can to maximise the club's value. What do you think? As always, I love your podcast. Hope to come to a game when I can. P.S. Following your episode when Dan was on, I've paid my £5 to join the Supporters Trust. Best wishes, Steve. 
bloody marvellous Steve uh, well done for doing that I really appreciate that I mean it's a good point we kind of touched on it earlier didn't we that uh, on the one hand why couldn't the government have set up some sort of an escrow or a frozen account where the money that the club make go into but on the other hand you know we also know there are people being laid off at Chelsea at the moment there are friends of ours who are being laid off at Chelsea at the moment because the club just can't spend any money and it's just it's it's just ridiculous you know it, I mean Every 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 single Chelsea supporter know how much. Okay, hands up on the podcast tonight. Hands up, all those who think that Roman has taken any money out of the club. No, oh, sorry, I'm not. Well, you put your hand up. So that's a no from Tony Martin. No, I don't think he has. That's a no from Martin. It's a mute from Jonathan. <laughs> uh, you're right, Church. No, no and, I don't think he has. No. no. So it's, it just shows you how stupid the government have been, and it could have been handled much better. And I, 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 sorry, Mark, almost, go on. sorry, no, sorry for interrupting. It's sorry. almost like they they want to knock the value of the sale down, so one of their mates can get it well, at a cheaper price. I, I think. Do you know what? I think the reason has always been. And I've said this for weeks since it all started. I think the reason they've done it is that they basically wanted to put it. I mean, somebody said it in our Watts group out. This is a this is an old style mobster shakedown. So they wanted to starve the club of funds to force Roman to sell it quickly so that he wouldn't piss about and be a bad smell under their nose, embarrassing them for being here and not sanctioned. So that's the best way to do it. Starve starve the club of life. If you don't sell it, mate, it's going to go bankrupt. And then what are you going to do? Then how's your statement about I love the club and want to do things in the best interest of the club going to look? That's what's going on. That's why they won't. That's why they won't do what every single person would deem to be sensible and logical and economically intelligent. But there you go. Goodness me, have we come to the end? It looks like it. And now our time is done. Yes, and all of that. We have. I can't believe it. I thought it was going to go on forever tonight. Right. Uh, I actually feel quite sad. It's finished. I've been quite enjoying. It's been it very season. good. It's been quite. And and, and and. I mean, we had that uh, comment on Twitter about, you know, do we shy away from awkward subjects? Do you remember that? Yeah. And, and I jumped straight in and said, no, we don't ask the question. We don't. If it doesn't, you know, necessarily mean if we haven't answered this because we haven't either had time or, or, or we yeah. haven't got to it yet. Um, and I think you, at a time when you, you're going to get people, because I, I can't be in the mix of the room tonight because I don't have my laptop anymore. Um, uh, you're going to get people saying, well, you know, you need, we, we, we tune into this to the football, uh, not the politics. Well, unfortunately, the two are inextricable at the moment. And so to cover the subjects in the emails that we've had to cover at the end uh, around what is, let's be fair, in the, uh, you know, the, the, the 117 years we've existed, okay, this is possibly the single most critical time, maybe level with when we nearly went bankrupt under the Mears family. Okay, so for us to just talk about football and ignore what would be the biggest fucking elephant we've ever seen would be remiss. And I think we've covered it well tonight. I think we've, we've had a good uh, cross-section of opinions and views and, and some good points made that, that actually represent the truth of what 99% of Chelsea fans, proper real Chelsea fans, think. And I think we should, you know, I would, if, if I was listening as a neutral, I would commend us for that. I totally agree with that. Uh, so there you go. That is, in fact, all we've got time for this uh, this evening. Uh, you know, JK, well, hopefully, my plan is that JK, Mark, Meehan and I will be back on Freely Neat 
for the next instalment of our 50 Years of Chelsea series, where we will be looking back at the 2000-2001 season. Fancy that, uh, fancy that, JK? All right. All right. Uh, so prepare for another long one then. Uh, right. Uh, now, beyond that, next Monday, of course, there's no football on. I mean, there's plenty of us to, plenty for us to talk about what's going on at Chelsea, obviously. But uh, I thought on Monday what we could do is a nice little Q&A show uh, with our Discord group again, because we quite like doing those. And if I'm feeling particularly generous, and I might be, you never know. By next Monday, I might be feeling generous. But I thought what I could do, because we get loads of people in Mixler every week, right? And I thought maybe I could just like pop the Zoom uh, connection details in there when we go live. And if they want to join in on Zoom, they can as well. That'd be fun, maybe. I don't know. We'll think about that. So there we go. So Q&A next Monday. Um, and JK and I will be there. Adam Newson's uh, hopefully going to be on board for that. Dane Whittle is. And I think Tony, Martin and Mark are all free. If they fancy it, they're more than welcome as well. But they can yeah, have the night yeah, off yeah, too. The invite out. I, I, I'm sure there'll be something to talk about next Monday. Exactly <laughs> that. And now it might, but be prepared. Last time we had a Q&A, last time we had a Q&A with Adam on, uh, Adam did most of the talking for about two hours because they all wanted to know, because he's a really good journalist and they all wanted to know answers from him. And we all sat there and had a cup of tea, really, didn't we, JK? We had a quite an easy night. I twiddled my thumb. Yes, indeed. So there you go. Uh, so that's what did you the... do with the other one? <laughs> Don't ask. Uh, a very late point of interest here. There's been a joint issue, a joint statement issued by Liverpool Manchester City fans uh, demanding that the Wembley semi-final for them be moved. Yeah, because they can't get down yeah. there in the train. Yeah, but it, it's it's Trafford being touted, which is of course quite a sensible, mm. huge, you know, big enough ground to do. So it's just on that point of you know that we brought that up earlier on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's far too it's far too sensible for the FA to do it. No, though. exactly that. Anyway, right, we're going. We are going enough already. Right. Uh, obviously, you know where to get this podcast from: ChelseaFanCast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, and Spotify, as well as other remotely interesting podcast distributors. You can also get Went to Mo King's Murdo Dean's uh, show, which I'm going to put a couple of things up there this week uh patreon of course quick shout out thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you for all the lovely people who sign up uh there's been some new ones recently which is lovely to see you all and some familiar names eric i'm talking about you so great to do that if you if you also want to sign up no pressure i really mean it there is no pressure uh patreon.com forward slash chelsea fancast is where you would go uh, if you do, eventually, uh, before the dawning of time, you will receive uh, a, a Kerry Dixon mini banner. But more quickly than that, you will get the link to join the Discord, Discord group, which is great fun, as we all know. Uh, thank you for your emails. We do love getting them in. We always read them out, as you well know. Uh, email them to chelseafancast at gmail.com. You can send them to Patreon or Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or anywhere that we are around. Uh, but email's the easiest for me. End of the day by Sunday would be nice. Uh, right, you can follow the show, as I said, on social media, at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chiz, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, Tony at Grocer Jack UK, and Martin at Martin underscore Wickham. Blimey, there we go. Tony, you are an absolute trooper. Now, we're not going to see you again, are we, in this current uh, schedule, right? Uh, no, no, uh, I think I, 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 obviously I'm away for... Um, well, I, I will try and get on on Monday. I will try and get on for the Q&A on Monday. Uh, but then from then uh, the the next three Mondays are out because obviously the day we come back I will I assume flying back from Barbados have jet lag yeah I assume so, well mate have a have a cracking time out there with Mrs G uh, yes well earned by her no doubt uh, I can't <laughs> yes. say that I can't say the same about you so no. be, be very be very nice to her buy her lots of um, peanut what what that was rum daiquiris I, oh yeah banana daiquiris yeah. they were my favourite in the Caribbean. 
So live on those for about three weeks. You'll be fine. Will do, mate. All right. Great to see you as always. Martin, uh, we're just so blessed to have you back with us uh, more regularly. We missed you so much while you were away and you're on fine form. Always, JK, the voice of reason is our Martin, I think. He comes out with something intelligent. Every single time, yeah. yeah. Much, much more reasonable than you or I. Oh, well, that wouldn't well, be hard to be fair, would it? It's not, that's not really a good barometer, mate, to be honest, is it? <laughs> Thanks very much. Um, I have more time on my hands than I anticipate at the moment, so I'm certainly free next Monday. And um, yeah. You're welcome to join us. And uh, as, as long as you're keeping fitter and weller, that's all that really matters at the end of the day. Getting Great. better every day. Good to hear it, mate. Uh, Mr. Kidd. Me? Fantastic to see you tonight, as always. Thank you so much for having me on, Chidge, because oh. you, you could banish me whenever you like. No, I would never do that. You know that. You're beyond banishment. Oh, thank you. You are beyond banishment. I nearly read out a cheeky question from Kenroy uh, in the Ask Chidge Anything bit on Discord, and I didn't. But you need to go in there and, and see it, because it will really make you laugh, okay? Is it, was he asking, do I do the podcast naked? No, but it was kind of related. Was it? Okay. You have to go in there and check it out. I'm saying no more. Uh, anyway, brilliant to see you, mate, as always. Always is. Two two uh, nights a week. How how blessed am I? Uh, and oh. uh, you oh. lot in Mixler have been fantastic, as you always are. Uh, we'll see you on Friday, and hopefully we'll see some of you for real uh, next uh, Monday. I'm looking forward to that already. Right. Uh, thank you for listening. See you on Friday. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. Keep the chills, How are you, bro? It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 